Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Paropod. You're here with your hosts, Mark and Dawn. Yo, yo, yo. This is one of our recommended film episodes, you know, as you know. As you know. Because I'm presenting. Because yeah. I've began, you know, I've broken the silence yeah. here. And uh, we're going to be talking about Orson Welles' final film. I believe it's his final is film. It, mm. Yeah, his, his own directing, because I think he was... He, he was in other films. Yeah, he was in like some... Tra- I think his last thing was some Transformers movie. Was it? One of the animated ones, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> He's the voice of like a big, huge Transformer in it. That's gas. Yeah. But uh, yeah, his last directorial effort anyway in uh, 1973, F for Fake, which is a, you know, it's hard to kind of put into a box. It's like mm. a film essay, kind yeah. of, and like a documentary, but also a drama. And he's like, he's always, he's kind of there. He's pre- He presents it, basically. Mm. So it's, it's something we'll, we'll talk about. We'll yeah, just we'll go stand about an hour. We'll get on to that. We'll get, we'll get on to that. that. But yeah, how you been past week? Been pretty good, pretty good. Good, good vibes. Yeah, mad hungover on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Intense, intense times on Saturday. A lot of, uh, a lot to discuss. Yeah, yeah. It was a good night. It was good. Yeah. Fucking eight o'clock bullshit though. <laughs> yeah, that is a joke. That is actually a joke. But like, at least they weren't strict. You know, they weren't yeah. like get out. You know, they're like they kind of let us hang around a bit. Like, ah, bro, ordered one of those fountain cocktails. Come on, give us a break. <laughs> yeah, we ordered Solero, man. Shout out to Mimas. Mimas, yeah. Good spot. Yeah, I had a few surprise guests, a yeah. few notable absences. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe he's listening. If he is, please stop listening. We don't want to talk to you ever again. <laughs> he's definitely not listening. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's a joke, by the way. But um, no, it was good. You I'm dead serious. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to push back to closing times next week? Yeah, I heard that. Good stuff. Announcements to be made. Because I was, I didn't think that was going to happen for ages. I thought they're going to leave it till late Feb. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, it is like by next week, it is like the end of January. So. Yeah, you know, I suppose. But months, months flown in. But the cases are still like huge. Like, like I've still. Sto- I've just stopped looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But like, I've noticed. The pe- I don't really know anyone who has it now. I think there was the peak. I think I saw something that was like the peak was last week. The peak, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting twenty six thousand cases so we're a day. Flying back down, yeah, twenty six thousand. That's insane, yeah. insane, and mad, that's only half. Mad. That's about half of the real number. But it's all looking up, really. I think it's all looking up, Millhouse. It's all coming up, though. Yeah, and um, I think I think by April, I think we're going to be, you know, fine. Yeah, that's my crossed. prediction. That's my prediction. Until the next fucking variant comes around. <laughs> ah, don't, ah, don't. People won't buy it. People won't buy it. There can't be more. <laughs> there can't. Like, that's it. Omicron. Like that's that's the that's the last letter in the Greek alphabet, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Well, that omega, Omicron, same thing. But I don't want the omega. I don't want the, the alpha. Al- the alpha variant. Uh, the omega variant. That's gonna be. That's the big one. You know. That's the reboot. That's cataclysmic. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's 2012 stuff. 2022. Think about it. <clears throat> Switch the numbers around. Yeah. Think about it, man. Think about it. But yeah. So. It was a good week anyway, and I think we're going. It's going to only. It's only going to get better. It can only go up. That's why yeah. I'm looking at. That's why I'm looking at life anymore. Things can only get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the past months, past two months, probably the lowest, probably the worst things have ever been, ever. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of going out and stuff like that. Well, yeah, just, just in general. Yeah, just in general. <laughs> general life. Just bad vibes in general. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's only it's only going up. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what were you watching this week, actually? Um, what was I watching? I watched a documentary about folk horror. A three-hour-long documentary called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. 
Thank God for the dock in front of us. And <laughs> 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 um, yeah, this thing was is on Shutter at the moment, um, and it's just like it's a it's a history of folk horror. It's right in the title, but like I think this documentary's kind of changed the way that I look at folk horror because you know when we talk about folk horror, oftentimes we're like there's very limited films that you could categorize as folk horror. Yeah, yeah. Well, what this documentary does is like, here's the three films that you know as folk horror. Which one in general? Uh, Blood and Satan's Claw and uh, Wicker, Wicker Man. Man. And it's like, here's the three of them. And here's the similarities between the three of them. And here's films in British cinema that are also like that. So like Pendus Fan and um, other things by that Rudkin wrote as well. Mm. Um, and then it's like, here's like the, so here's like the, it's all about like, like not cults but like it's about like you know uh other religions and stuff like that there's a mm. great one of the lines in it um is like the best description for folk horror that i've heard and that it is like the horror of we don't we don't go back like we never we never go back to the way things were we can only progress and mm. if we're going back that's what's horrifying um and that's you know explicitly with um british folk horror but then it's just like well, we'll take these, like, um, these signifiers, I guess, or these, like, tropes of folk horror and look at it from other perspectives. Like, we look at, it goes through, like, American cinema and it's, like, uh, <clears throat> Southern Gothic horror. Yeah, yeah, It's, yeah. like, very, very similar to folk horror. Yeah, definitely. You, you could basically say that Southern Gothic is folk horror, even, though it's not, even to the point where it's just, like, the landscape oftentimes in southern horror is what's horrifying mm. um true detective true detective like it is mm. it is basically folk horror yeah very similar yeah but like but a detective twist yeah neo-noir kind of yeah or like just like um stuff that um edgar Allan poe would have written and stuff like that is very um is very folk horror-ish uh-huh. and then it's like some bits in lovecraft can also be read as folk horror and then it goes like here's what folk horror looks like in uh, South American films and um, with like their use of um, folk tale legends and just that it's also folk horror and it's also like the idea of um, indigenous um, land being like a site of trauma and that being where the horror comes from and stuff like that which is basically folk horror and then later on in the documentary there's a bit where some guys said that the moment that he he stopped viewing folk horror as a genre and more like um, notes that are being played. Mm, so yeah. like, if similar, mm-hmm. like you can re- like folk horror is actually like it's a three-hour-long documentary. It, it goes through like like a hundred and fifty films, two hundred films, something huge like that. And it's like not every one of them is like explicitly folk horror, but you there's an there's a very strong argument to be made that they are very linked to folk horror at the very least. Mm. Um, it's a really good documentary. You should definitely watch it because you yeah. really like it. You would really like it. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, and just like the amount of films that they go to, you're like, I want to watch this, I want to watch this, I want to watch this, I want to watch this. And Shudder was just like, well, we know that people are going to watch this this documentary. Here's a few of the really cool ones that are also now on Shudder if you want to watch them. So there's like, um, one of the films I want to watch is, ooh, it's called like On the Knife's Edge or something like that. It's... um. It's a indigenous Canadian film, mm. spoken, 
I think it's like one of like five films or four films that are spoken in uh, whatever the language's name is. I can't remember what the name of the language is. But it's they have like a million languages. Uh, yeah, but like this is like, um, I think it's one of the only films that is, that is spoken in this language because there's only like 50 people left in the world that, re- that speak the language mm. or something mental like that. Um, so it was it was really good. It was really enlightening and like this, you know, the ideas of folk horror have transcended further than like what we would what we talk about when we talk about folk horror. Um, so actually, my idea of like what films are folk horror has expanded. And so one of the films that they talked about in the documentary was this film called The Wind, which came out in twenty eighteen. Um, and I watched this with my mom. It's directed by Emma Tammy. I want to remember her name because this is a name that we might want to keep our eye on. Uh-huh. Because The Wind isn't... It isn't an amazing film, but it is really good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it has really good ideas in it. That's a folk horror. Uh, yeah, like it's a southern gothic okay, folk yeah. horror-ish uh, film. Uh, so it's based... Basically, the story is this uh, woman is living on... Um, uh, a prairie is that one? like big open plains big open plains yeah. Yeah, she's living on the prairie and she's with her husband and these um, neighbours move in like down the way a bit like across the way or whatever there is something on the land or something that has emerged from the land um, that is like psychologically fucking her up and like um, terrorising everyone that's on the land but her husband never uh, experiences it or sees it or anything because he like leaves to go off to like the local town or whatever to like work or whatever, and so she's isolated on this prairie, and it's called uh, the wind because there's a st- and this was mentioned in the documentary that um, <clears throat> around this time there was a folk tale that the wind m- made women go insane, mm. so it's like. There is something about the landscape, something about uh, people living on a land that they stole from other people, and the lands like the the geography is is fighting back against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really cool. But it's also it's one of those horror films where it's just like, is it supernatural forces or is it uh psycho? Like, is she mental illness? Is yeah. she is it a mental illness uh-huh. thing? Um, and that side of it was kind of like that's annoying, isn't it? It's a real trope now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's like an anti-trope at the same time. It's just like every film's like that. Yeah, like, like there's oh, it's also, so many films like that. Mm, yeah, it's like it can't just be a uh, a metaphor. Like it has to be. Yeah, they have to make it clear that this is a metaphor. Yeah, you know, like, rather like, than just like let film, you imply at, that. Yeah, and at the end of the film, it's like no, yeah, it is like it's not. A, it's no longer a metaphor. It is. Literally, like it's just a mental illness. Just you're seeing it from yeah, her perspective. I hate when they do that. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, could you not just keep going with the idea of like the mm. folk heart ish stuff? Um, but it's still it's still good. And like, well, one of the ways that Tammy makes the paranoia that the characters experience that the character experiences and like, the confusion of it is that the narrative is chopped up and like switching around. So like, something happens, you see something in the future, and then you see the past, and it switches around like that. Mm. The only problem is, is that it's not very clear, like when it's switching time. And it was at the end of the film that I realized that one of the characters, 
um, was a character that died at the start of the film, and I did not cop that until like the last fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> not I, good. And I was like, "Oh, that's that character that literally died in the opening of the film." Oh, right. That wasn't very clear. Like uh, for me, it wasn't very clear. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of the time, I was just kind of confused um, as to when when are we? <laughs> um, but it's still it is still good. But it's also kind of like the folk art aspects of it are very good and they're the best parts of the film but the worst parts of the film is the like oh is it a ment- is it all just mental illness type of stuff because that's mm. I'm tired of that like it's, the, it's the relic so was boring it's yeah. so boring and like it's not explored like I like I really like relic uh, which is like that like that's literally what it is but it explores it with through the house and through like the characters and stuff like that this is literally just one character is experiencing this mental illness uh, because she's isolated on this prairie and, you know, she's she doesn't belong, basically. Mm. Um, and, like, that's that's all that it is. So yeah. It's like, it's just making, it's like putting the subtext, like, in the text. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. It's but like, it's like trying to be smart about it. It's like, it's like if Lovecraft wrote stories and at the end he was like, Oh, the monsters weren't real. They were just racist. You yeah. Know? It's, like, it's like, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point. That's not the point of a story. Like, <laughs> yeah. You don't say what it means. Or like, you should like at least dance around it a bit, mm. be poetic about it. Uh, yeah, it is a weird trend recently. Mm. It's like, I feel like the Babadook was one of the first ones to do that. Yeah. I and then like Hereditary smashed it. And I loved how, yeah. it, how it did that. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. In, in the theater to see that. And even like Hereditary isn't even very explicit with that either. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. That's but that's that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. It's I like, don't want it to be very explicit. Yeah, you're like you're kind of guessing, guessing. Mm. Like, yeah, up until like a very clear scene that like in the what the last act of Hereditary, you're like this is this is going the way where it's going to say she's just crazy, mm-hmm. and then it just pulls the rug the like, from underneath uh, your feet. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's, it's so like dramatic. She's actually not crazy, and it is real. <laughs> Perfect, so well done. Which is this is the opposite. Where it's like no, no, she is she yeah. is crazy. She's don't just worry. crazy. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, the wind. It's all right. Yeah. The wind. The wind doesn't have anything don't to do with it. Don't mind the wind. And it's also like it's not even because I was thinking like oh it's just a wind, but it's not. It's not even just a wind. Like there's a there's a monster around. Like there's a demon uh-huh. uh, because there's like a what's the word I'm looking for? Not a preacher. Uh, what's the preacher? Like a father, um, a pastor, a pastor. A that's it. A, there's a pastor that mm. goes around, and he gives her a book that's just like the demons of the prairie, and he like lists off all of them, and it's just like Beelzebub or whatever. And it's uh, just like, right. oh, it's just a demon that's in the area, but it's also like religious uh, trauma that she's going through because she's trying to be a good Christian, but she's like, she, she's living on land that's like covered in blood and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's it's. It'd be cool if it was just the wind, though. Mm. Like, <clears throat> yeah, that's what I want. It's a, yeah. it's called the wind, but the wind isn't really part of it. Like, it yeah. is, but it's also not. <laughs> mm. Yeah, sometimes it's cooler, not in like the way like the happening did it or whatever. But it's cooler when it's like something that isn't human. <clears throat> in like a, remember I read a book ages ago now. It's called In the Dust of This Planet, and it exa- examined different uh, Examine the philosophy of the different like horror tropes and stuff, mm. and the way you have like you have demonic people, you have demonic characters, and you have a uh, sort of uh, people who are possessed, and then you have sort of like a different category where it's like it's not it's like uh, forces that are possessed, you yeah, know? like wind, like black wind. And use like this r- cool example. Um, that was the three main archetypes I had. Now I had this cool example of uh, Dante's Inferno or the, the, the parts of the Divine Comedy where. Uh, basically the villain 
or whatever it, it's not revealing but like like the the demonic elements are, aren't demons they're just like it's like a black wind that like mm. that blows through hell but it still like kind of personifies something and it still feels like a character and uh had all these illustrations in the book like uh which were clearly weren't humanoid characters but at the same time were like really menacing and had like yeah, i yeah, still yeah, like yeah. Li- like live on hundreds of years since they were first written down i really stuck with, even like biblical passages and stuff like that like they never talk about like uh you know the devil and stuff is like a person it's always like a it's like it's like multiple things or it's like it's like a it's something that you, you wouldn't uh like sort of uh imagine has any any sort of like sovereignty in itself you know mm-hmm. and it makes it weirder when something that shouldn't be like self-aware is yeah you know? that's like that's re- that's kind of folk horror though that's like yeah that's like the vibe isn't it because that's what the because that's what the film almost starts <laughs> off with where it's like the wind the wind is acting weird but then there's like a then then it retracts down it's like no there's a monster that's also you know on the land and it's just, and it's like it's a demon that's fucking with her um because it's like a bit where like um the best bit of the film is when she's in she's in her in that gaff and she's pregnant at the time and <clears throat> she hears like a voice in the wind and she goes and she opens the door because she thinks it's her husband and nobody's there so then she closes the door and then she hears it again and then she locks the door but then like th- you can hear the wind picking up a bit and then the f- all the candles and the fire are just blowing out and she's in a room by herself and you're like what the fuck's gonna happen and then the fire just lights up again mm. it's like oh that's that's cool like the fu- like the wind is fucking with her but then like 10 15 minutes later the wind is fucking with her but now there's like claw marks like on the mm. on the on the walls and stuff like that, uh-huh. because it's it's now like a demon or like a beast is now it's not the wind that's doing that it's the beast that's in the gaff that's doing that, and then it retracts then it dumbs it down even further it's like oh no it's just mental illness <laughs> yeah she's just crazy she's just crazy so you know it good start though good premise good, really good it's it's a slow burn as well uh-huh. how long is it it's only an hour and a half oh, or it's yeah. even less than that I think it's like eighty five minutes or eighty minutes uh-huh. um. And it is good, and the main actor, she's really, really good. I think it's one of the first things that she's done, but she's really good in it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's just like one of those things where it's like it's a mixed bag that has some good in it, but then some like tropes and simplistic shit. Kind of shits the bed. Yeah, yeah. Still good though. Yeah, and I would yeah, recommend. Yeah. Like it's the best. Like it's a three star movie if I've ever seen one. <laughs> three stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Um, and like all the prairie shots and stuff like that look beautiful. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I might give that. It's like, about isolation. Give that a like watch, that. and that's featured in the documentary. Yeah, it's one of the things that they mentioned in the documentary. <coughs> I just like the idea that it was just like, oh, the wind made women crazy because like one of the shots they showed in the documentary is like dust everywhere that's in the gaff, mm. and you're like, oh, she's like constantly fighting against the elements to like mm. have this like a ho- to build herself a home for her family to be built. But then the first thing that one of the things that happens and like spoilers for the win but i feel like not many people are gonna watch this film anyway um is that like she has a miscarriage and that's the first thing it was like oh like life can't if you're not from this land you can't live here and like you can, you don't belong here and you can't create life on this on this land mm. but then it drops it down to being like oh she's suffering from a ment from mental health issues because she had like a miscarriage yeah yeah. Babadook vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Come like on. about grief and isolation and stuff like that. But it's yeah. still dumbing it down to be mental health stuff. So, you know. 
Yeah, it's just it, it, it's like a. I'm sick of this trope. Individual, individualizing it almost. Yeah, it's like that's oh, just it's just in her head. That's the thing. Where it's like it should be. It should be a universal thing. Yeah, it should be something that's like in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the in the land. Like if her husband, like if her husband was experiencing it, then you got something there. Yeah, like like a psychogenic yeah. illness or something. But like it's that, like yeah. no, he's like you're, it's, you're you're just crazy, and then she kills him. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Sure. Right. Look, I'll give it. I'll give. I have to have a look. Yeah. I'll look, I have a look at the documentary. Oh, the document- documentary's three hours though. So uh, it's if it's still, good, then it's I'll good. Watch it. It's yeah. good to have on like the in the background. And you just hear like yeah. you hear a film that they're talking about. Like oh, that sounds fucking class. I yeah, watch that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe skip through the bits. I don't, yeah, I don't want to watch, but, but yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, folk horror right in my street. And it's also like international folk horror. Like it opens your eyes up to you know Australian folk horror. Uh, Asian folk horror, South American folk horror, mm. Euro- other other European countries folk horror, other European yeah. countries, they Mad. have cinemas. Mad, yeah, <laughs> French folk horror, Italian folk horror. That's good crazy. Shit. Yeah. Good shit. Did you Not watch bad. anything good? I finished uh, Succession this ah, week. Ah, lovely. This week. <laughs> and uh, there's nobody talking about it, you know, because well, you haven't seen it. You should watch it though. I should watch it. Succession. That's like I'm kind of very very late to the train. Mm. Very late to this train. I feel like a lot of people are though. I feel like a lot of people picked it up in the past. Yeah, yeah, for past, this season. Recently. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for the third season because like, I think it got a lot of hype, and um, yeah, it's kind of basically it's like a it's basically about media power, which is pretty cool because I didn't know it was, I thought it was just kind of like a you know, upper. It's just all rich people fucking around. Yeah, corporate. It's got co- corporate power struggles and stuff like that. But it's actually it's like a because it's based on the uh, like the Murdochs basically, mm-hmm. and the Murdoch family and like. I don't know much about the Murdoch family. I just know Rupert Murdoch is evil, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but apparently, these kids are like always fighting. And they, they're like about, They're all in the company. They're all growing up in the company. It's like huge nepotism, obviously. Yeah. And um, who's gonna take over? Yeah, there's huge e- egos, and yeah, that's the, that's like the premise of the show. Like, who's gonna take over after? Uh, uh, basically, Rupert Murdoch is played by Brian Cox, but he's called something. He's called Logan Roy. It's called. It's all like fictionalized mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, so basically, who's gonna take over after him? And these these three kids. And uh, I guess uh, Jeremy Strong, Sarah Snook, and um, uh, Rory Culkin, who was great. Who was Macaulay Culkin's brother? Mm-hmm. He's amazing. And he's so <laughs> funny because like the it's like not even uh, like a straight drama. You know, it's not like a boardroom drama. Yeah. It's a comedy. Yeah. It's a comedy first and then a drama. You know, that it's sounds a, sick. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually it's amazing. It's really really good. I really enjoyed it. It's the. It's like usually these days I only watch like one TV series a year basically. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not actually sure. You want to make sure it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure how it ranks, but like this is something that I, like I definitely, uh, you know, I'd really, I'd, wa- I, I can't wait to watch the fourth season because mm. uh, it's the, the, the twist as well. The show fa- makes me feel like an idiot, you know, which in a really good way. Where like it has twists. Yeah, it doesn't treat you like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. It just makes you feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. How did I not see this coming? Because you're just like you're just in the show and you're just you're just along for the ride and you're just enjoying every second of it. That you're not thinking, oh, what's gonna happen next? Oh, I think this is. Oh, I should like read into that part. It's like you can do those things. It's like Breaking Bad in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or the Sopran- like the Sopranos, where you just like you just sort of go along with it and like, you know, the writer is like you know obviously like fucking a million steps ahead. But you know you're in safe hands. As yeah. Well. Like everything that happens, you know, it's just going to be good. You there's know? good faith. There's a, good yeah, faith. there's good. Yeah, you're in safe hands. It's And the thing is, it's the guy who did uh, Jesse Armstrong. He's the showrunner. He's the guy who did uh, Peep Show, uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. And um, you, know, you ever remember, remember that show, My Parents Are Aliens? Oh, yeah. He also did that. 
But it's not like Nickelodeon or Cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah I fucking <laughs> yeah. do remember that, guys. Yeah, in like 2000. Mm. But he also did Four Alliance, which is like a pretty decent film. From very, very what good. What I remember from I can't really remember. Oh, Four Alliance is very, very mm. good. You should. It's a. It's because that's that was Chris Morris who directed that. You did Brass Eye, like, and it's all. Oh yeah. Which is similar kind of yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know ethos mm-hmm. or like sort of uh, attitude towards all these things, like kind of like satirical take on a uh, on media and power, and um, yeah, he did all those things, and I, I was like. I was only found out like a few days ago, like halfway through season three. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" They, like the guy the Peep Show did this, uh, as produced by uh, Adam McKay, who did like Don't Look Up and other guys and Big Short, all very smart films about similar kind of subject matters. Also, Will Ferrell is an executive producer, so it's a it's a mad mix. It's a really weird mix. It's a bizarre mix, but mm-hmm. it just pays off. And like I think one of the key things is it has an amazing title sequence. Great. Great title sequence, you know, great you, music. You know, a TV show is gonna be going like I am. I'm not skipping the the music at the start. Exactly. Yeah, I never skipped the start mm. of it. Never skipped the start of it. So good. But um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. I finished that there the other day. Sort of binged it. And uh, the main character is, uh, or the fucking the, the bad guy. The, one of the main characters is uh, played by Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, Brian Cox. Like I was just reminded, this guy's an amazing. Like he's one of the great Shakespearean actors and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Did like King Lear. I'm pretty sure we watched his version of King Lear in school and stuff. I watched the Ian McKellen one. Oh, right, yeah, That's yeah. we either watch when we were studying Lear. Oh, wait, yeah, we're, were we in... No, no, we're in no, we classes, did English yeah. classes. But, um, but yeah, he, so I, I started to watch one of his old films, Manhunter, from 1986. He was actually so the... Old. <laughs> he was the first guy to uh, to play Hannibal Lecter. The yeah. famous Hannibal Lecter. How many people have played Hannibal Lecter? Like, four? F- yeah, I think so, four. Because I think Anthony Hopkins plays... The same. I think he's still Hannibal Lecter in Red Dragon. I'm, pr- I'm like oh, he is, 90% yeah. sure of that. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. still Hannibal so there's, Lecter. There's been four. There's four, yeah. Brian Cox, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, and whoever okay. played him in Hannibal Rising. Yeah, it's the prequels. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, who cares? But yeah, Manhunter is based on the uh, Red Dragon book, which was then adapted, readapted into Red Dragon in 2002. And... Uh, yeah, it's like this 1986 film by Michael Mann, and it's kind of like it's like it was it was really overlooked at the time because it's it is kind of a I don't know it's not like is it's not a standard generic kind of yeah yeah like by the numbers but in the sense that like um, it's just a really well executed film you know like there's nothing insane about it. there's nothing really sticks out but it's just really well done you know <clears throat> but um, it's just the same guy did uh, did Heat Michael Mann did Heat yeah and um, so it's, it's the same kind of vibe. But, like, you know, it's 86, and it's a Hannibal Lecter film, and it's Michael Mann directing. And it's like, you can sign, kind of picture before you watch it, what like, how it's going to, like, play out, you know? Mm. Uh, it's like, fucking... Because it's about, like, it's about the whole thing, uh, the the Red Dragon arc, where it's like, it's Will Graham, the detective, uh, going after the Two Fairy, who's uh, Francis Dollarhide. Uh, and he's he's a serial killer who kills based on lunar cycles, and they're trying to find him before he kills the next person. All this stuff. Yeah. Um, it was it was like, it was readapted again actually for the second half of season three of Hannibal, which is also extremely good. It's very very good. I really need to watch that. Hannibal. I really like Hannibal. I need to watch that. You would like Hannibal. Yeah, I think would. It's extremely overwrought and like Shakespearean, but yeah. like in a really deliberate way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very very. It looks really good. Um, it's you know that, um, you know that genre i guess like house which is like asshole geniuses mm. i feel like a lot of a lot of film bros really like hannibal because they're like 
I am Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, am Hannibal, you man. You fucking idiot. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ridley Scott, there's actually three films with Anthony Hopkins. There's Hannibal, there's Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, and then Red Dragon. Ridley Scott directed Hannibal. Did he? Yeah. Which is, I did not know that film existed. Hannibal. Yeah. It's I, called I, Hannibal 2. I heard of Hannibal, yeah. Yeah, and then they did Red Dragon a year later. Yeah. Weird. But, like, Hannibal's not even liked, is it? Red Dragon's more liked. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Maybe because he's got um, Edward Norton in it or something. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. He's Will Graham in that one. Mm. And in this one, it's some guy, I can't remember his name, but... Some some dude. He's 80s Will Graham, and he yeah. has, like, fucking shoulder pads, and he's got, like, his sleeves rolled up. He wears a white suit and all this stuff. Dope. And he, like, looks out and, like... I think it's Baltimore, but, like... It's New York City, basically. So yeah. it's, like, it's like neon lights. is like a synth playing in the background mm. and stuff. It's like, where's where's the tooth where fairy? Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has like, a, what's his name? Jack Crawford, like the the head detective guy. And he's like, they have that scene where it's like, you nearly blew up half the city, Will Gray. It's like, you know, badge, gun. Yeah. It's like, give me a gun. Give me a gun. You, you don't know what you get. You're too far into the You're case. You're a loose cannon. You're off the case, Will Gray. It's like, it's so funny. But um, it's mad 80s. And it also has like an eight minute uh, ver. You know that song in a Gata de Vida? Uh, maybe. Um, What's it? You wouldn't. It's in Resident Evil. The, you know the one there. It's actually in the one we're actually going to talk about in a few minutes. It's in where they're uh, at the start of the film, the convoy. They're playing. They're playing a song. It's in yep. the Gata de Vida. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. It's also in the, the Simpsons song. one, <laughs> where they're they're in the the, the church and yeah. the bar starts playing it. But. Um, there's an eight-minute version of that, like mad '80s. There's an eight-minute <laughs> version of *In the God of the Vida* that plays throughout the entire like climactic confrontation between Will Graham and the serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, and um, but yeah, like Will Graham's like he's come out of retirement for one last case to uh, to take down the the two fairy, and he's like the whole it's like cat and mouse kind of game, and he needs Hannibal's advice to uh, sort of get inside the mind of the serial killer. Is that all that Hannibal really is? He's just a psychopath that can help you catch other psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least in this one, anyway. And in Sounds of the Lambs. And in, <laughs> well, Red Dragon's a remake of this, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, the, that's one of the pluses of the show, because the show leads up to before he's caught. Because mm-hmm. he's caught and like the... Like from the from the, the from the movies, the perception is Han- of Hannibal is just as a guy. He's in the mask. He's in the fucking you know hand trolley. Yeah, uh, he's, he's already in prison. He's just kind of there as like counsel for for detectives. But in the show, it's like it's all about how they come around to figuring out who he is and what yeah. he's doing. So it's very 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 well done. Even though you know what's going to happen, you're just like you're, yeah, you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. You know? Yeah, and you're in safe hands. You know, I imagine that like the Ridley Scott Hannibal's is like. Hannibal, as you've never seen him, on the loose. Yeah, <laughs> like, probably, yeah. So gotta, That's not why people like Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, the thing with this one is he's barely in it. He's in it for yeah. about 10 minutes. Sure, that's the same thing as Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, true, yeah. Mm, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's kind of like It's kind of like a Leatherface kind of thing where, yeah. you know, he's like kind of half in it. He's like, he's such an iconic character, but he's barely in the film that he's actually in mm, yeah it's just because he has like a and i guess that's the reason why like when the films have a lot of them they're not very good <laughs> yeah yeah probably uh yeah he's only in about 10 minutes brian cox is just like he's barely in it who's better brian cox or um hopkins hopkins uh probably hopkins yeah because like, too Bob, iconic brian cox he's a, yeah like hopkins is pretty been on screen for hours as Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Like, brian cox like, he does a good job like yeah know, the whole Evokes the kind of like genius madman kind yeah. of thing where like, okay, but like clearly scheming. Cox in this film versus Science of the Lambs, just Science of the Lambs. Um, I think Cox could have done a great job in Science of the Lambs. Mm. 
I think he could have done just as good a job, you know. Yeah, but maybe well, maybe both Shakespearean dudes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Hopkins. I don't know if Cox could have done the whole like, you know, like the weird, the weirder parts. Yeah, because like yeah. Andy Hopkins is such a weird guy. Yeah, you know, he looks like he could eat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Brian Cox just seems like just like an old fella, like you know, you'd see him at the pub or something. Mm. I rewatched uh, Sons of Lambs last year. It's a good movie. It is, it yeah, is a good yeah. movie. It's really solid, yeah. Yeah, it's a really solid movie. Mm, yeah, it's nothing. It's it's like it's like this almost, yeah. which is kind of like maybe why this has had more of a resurgence recently. Because uh, when you like play it against something like Sons of Lambs, like they're very like, I don't know if you say neck and I haven't seen Sons of Lambs in ages. Maybe not neck and neck, but like they're very much similar kind of uh, mm-hmm. you know levels of quality. Anyway, they're really solid films. Yeah, they're very well done. You mm-hmm. know, they're very very good. It's a good story. And it's it's, it's uh, great acting. Uh, great production, you know, like Michael Mann, like the whole thing with like, like you see in Heat, like this use of color and stuff. Like I think in Heat, they like they they call out like uh, color theory. Like yeah. they have a discussion about color theory, like Kandinsky's like uh, color wheel or like whatever stuff like that. And like you can see it in the in the movie. There's like different hues they used to like yeah. symbolize different vibes and different characters and stuff. And it's the same in Manhunter. It's like you have uh, Will Graham on one side and Hannibal. On the other, and Hannibal's all white, and it's like very like clean, uh, sterile, kind of like I don't know. It's like it's it's but they're they're off putting. Yeah, it's off putting. Something mm-hmm. wrong about it. And then Will Graham's more like kind of earthy. Yeah, 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 something like that. But, ba- but the thing is, they're basically two sides of mm-hmm. the same person, and yeah. that's the whole theme that runs throughout the entire series. That that what's that what, what what's kind of like scary about Hannibal to Will is the fact that Hannibal and Will are basically the same guy. Yeah, and they Hannibal can get inside of Will's head mm-hmm. but only because Will needs to get inside of his head to do his job yeah 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 so he's putting himself in the shoes of a serial killer which is kind of like an admission of the fact that this person this monster is a human yeah and, and he's not just and it's like you could be you could have done this as well yeah yeah mm. yeah that's it's like, great yeah because that's the thing in Silence of Lambs as well like that is just the cool thing about Hannibal Lecter it's like you need to you don't want, you never want to let this guy inside your head but you need to to stop some serial killer going on a rampage. Yeah. And yeah. only this one, only Hannibal can, you know, has the brains to figure it out, whatever. Yeah, this monster. But at the same time, absolute like, genius. Has to be your brother. Yeah. It's brilliant. Fascinating. It's brilliant. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I don't understand. It's, it intrigues me, whatever that fucking. The knives out thing. The knives out. You know that meme? You know the meme is like. I can't comprehend it. It fascinates me, whatever it is. I like <laughs> can't remember the meme. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. Yeah, no, because like I want to watch um, Collateral. Is that a, that's also Michael Mann? Yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise and Jamie Fox. Collateral, yeah, yeah. That's meant to be really good as well. Is that? I keep. I always confuse that with Munich. Is Munich have Tom Cruise in it? I don't know what Munich is, so I'm gonna say mm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. I think, I think that's Steven Spielberg, though. But yeah, yeah, collateral. yeah. That is, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's Munich is a Steven Spielberg. I've known that name. Yeah. Collateral. I feel like I saw that on like Sky. It's on I Netflix. Definitely seen it's that. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's been on Netflix for a, a bit. Is that where he has like white hair? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah I can't remember what it is. He's like a hitman. He gets a taxi to drive him around places, and he's like, "Yeah, if you stick with me for the entire night, I'll give you like five grand or something." That's like that. a mad dad film. Yeah, that's a huge. Dad but that's film. also like <laughs> yeah. Michael Mann's kind of thing. Yeah, def- dad vibes, <laughs> yeah. like peak, like really, really good uh-huh. dad films. <laughs> yeah, peak dad, dad cinema. Talk about peak dad cinema. I watched Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, extended cut. Um, yeah, 
gonna finish off this fran the Lord of the Rings series, not the franchise. I'm not watching the Hobbits. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gonna finish that off next week. But Two Towers. Um, I remember being younger and thinking it went, uh, Return of the King, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, like all very good. But like Two Towers is the worst out of them all. Is this the longest one? No, Return of the King is. is Return of the King, the extended, even the the theatrical cut is over three hours, and then the extended cut is over four hours. Over four hours. Yeah, the end goes on for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. The, I think the end of Return of the King, like even the theatrical cut, is like forty-five minutes or something like that. Of them just like here's everyone at the end of this of the journey, and here's everyone's like loose ends being tied up and stuff like that. Mm. But um. Yeah, Two Towers is way better than I remember being. I actually think it is better than Fellowship of the Ring. Like, Fellowship of the Ring is super cozy, but now it's not cozy anymore. Is it's, this with Gollum? This is the one where Gollum yeah. is like, you actually get Shmi to see Gollum. Gollum. And my God, Andy Serkis is just the best. I forgot he did Gollum, yeah. Oh, man, he is so fucking good. Like... Mm. The way that he like does the the two versions of Gollum, and like again, it's been years since I've seen it, like from when I saw it last time. So like I'm I'm older now, and I'm pretty sure I was like fucking twelve, eleven, thirteen. Stupid kid, not when I watched Lord of the Rings, not really understanding Gollum. Like I completely forgot that like Gollum's whole thing is that like he he's like conflicted over the fact that there's like there's Gollum and then there's Smeagol, mm. and like Smeagol being like you know him before he turned into Gollum and he has a conversation with himself where he's just like Smeagol is fighting off Gollum being like get away yeah. like master it will take care of us we're okay now like you've been through like I think Gollum's gonna be like 400 years old or something like that. he's like uh, you've, you've been, been through enough you've yeah. been like I have been like outcast I have been like um, I've been addicted basically to this ring and it's like destroyed me but the but Matt like Frodo Master cares about me and he's gonna I'm okay now I don't I don't need Gollum anymore to be safe mm. and then Frodo and Samwise get captured by like um by humans by uh and they're like uh who the fuck is that like who the fuck is this like <laughs> weird little creature that's yeah. following you around and they're gonna kill Gollum and he's just like oh no uh, I'm gonna let me let me go get him I'll. I'll, like Frodo's like, let me go down and get him, and he and he'd be okay. He's under the bridge. Isn't when he's under, he's like, um, say he's under the bridge. He's like at a at a waterfall, and he's like, because he because Gollum's like always attracted to the ring, so he always knows. Mm. He always has a, he always has a sense of where Frodo is, um. So like, even though Frodo's been like is been like brought to this like secret location, Gollum is still able to vibe him out basically, <laughs> um. So Gollum's like in this in this river about to like he's eating fish or whatever. And all the hum- all the men are about to fucking snipe him with arrows and Frodo's like, Let me go down and save him. Let me go down and capture him. You don't have to kill him. And uh they're like, Yeah, sure. And then Gollum gets fucking nabbed and they kick the shit out of him, they beat him up, and then he's just like, Oh, not even master. Master turned on me. Mm. And then he turns like Gollum comes back again. Yeah. And it's like I always thought that Gollum was a scumbag the entire way through. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, he's like, he's not. <laughs> yeah. There's this, 
Doesn't he have like an origin scene where he turned into? That's in the third one. That's in the third. Yeah, that's okay. in the third one. I remember that for you. Yeah, I remember a fish. I remember eating a fish. Yeah, yeah, that's in the third one. Yeah. Is it okay? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was in this one, and it's yeah. not in this one. But I remember. I think it's at the start of the of the third one. Is mm. that you see Gollum's backstory? Yeah, I remember it was fucked up. I, yeah. I didn't want to watch it when I was. Yeah, it's real creepy. Mm, yeah, poor Gollum though. Poor fucking Gollum, yeah. you know. And it's like I like because like. The conflict of Frodo is that, like, he feels a lot of sympathy to Gollum because he's like, I know what it's like to have the have the ring. I know that, like, I could become Gollum. Mm. <laughs> and Samwise is just like, Frodo, fucking, he's a fucking sniveling little shit. Leave him alone. Frodo's just like, nah, bro, that could be me. And, like, he <laughs> yeah. starts turning, like, Frodo really suffers from the ring in this one. And the whole the whole magic of the ring, I don't think I understood when I was a kid over, like, what the ring can do and, like, how it like corrupts your brain and like what do you mean like i'm like when i was younger i think i didn't understand how the ring worked or like that the ring was like a sentient thing mm. and that it can corrupt people because the whole the whole thing that like in this one when they're captured by um by the humans is that like humans are not strong enough mentally to bear the ring because they're because they're greedy and mm. they're going to think that they can use it for for good but it's gonna corrupt them because absolute power corrupts absolutely and all that shit. Yeah. So it's like we can't if we get, if we get brought to humans who are like the good guys, we're fucked because they think that they're gonna be helping us, but the ring is gonna fuck them up, and like uh, Sauron will win, mm. which is something that I didn't pick up when I was a kid. I don't think maybe maybe it's not, I, I'm assuming that's in the theatrical cuts. Like that's explored because um, like all the extra bits in this film are all the added in bits. A lot of them are just like again little moments between the characters that was cut because it's not really needed. Like this is whole sequence where like um, Pippin and Mary find basically uh, barrels of weed, um, and they're like smoking weed, and it's just like they're with them. Um, the big tree people are in this one, uh. and it's just like oh we would give it to what the tree guys call it. And he's like, and uh, Mary's like no 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 leaves he wouldn't like these we'll just keep them for himself and your man's like ah yeah 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 no we'll keep this for ourselves and they start like just smoking <laughs> and getting fuck? stoned um gee yeah but it's it's uh, yeah it's really like there's just the complexity of the characters i think was lost on me when i was a kid because mm. i did just think like oh the battles are really cool and the battles are fucking sick the orcs yeah the orcs like helm this is the one with helms deep mm. which is like it's kind of like a 300 situation where it's like there's 10,000 orcs coming to capture us but we're in this like super um, secure location. We just got to hold them off mm. um, and they get fucking slaughtered um, but they're able to like, you know, survive the, survive the night's battle mm. and then reinforcements come in the morning. But Jesus, like the fights in it, like the, the huge scale of the fights and stuff like that is just phenomenal. And again, like, the orcs look unreal. All the special effects hold up. It's just bitching. <laughs> was it, were the, were the, the battle sequences, were they kind of practical as well? Was there a lot of... Like was the, that huge sets? Like, or was some like, of... It was multiplication, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah like, there's, like... There's mm. bits where, like, it's clearly, um like, CGI, whatever they're using, or, like, duplicates of, like, the massive army. But, like, when it's... When there's, there's sets and there's just, like, battles going on all around them and stuff like that, that's all, like, practical... Uh, sets and effects and stuff like that and it looks mad. sick it looks so good it looks so so good and they haven't really been able to duplicate that I miss it's a bit weird maybe 
Maybe they don't make films like that. I can't think of the last, like, f- epic fantasy film. Yeah, well, they're kind of like... Well, like... They're not in. Yeah, they're not in, yeah. But, like, it's, like in that... You know, if they remade it, they'd just do it CGI, wouldn't they? All yeah, they CGI. would. Yeah. yeah. Like The Hobbit. Yeah, The Hobbit. Yeah. The third Hobbit film has a big, massive uh, battle, which is... I think it is just a big... I think the whole thing is more or less just one big, massive battle. It is... One of the worst fucking things. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah, the Hobbits is just like the third irre- Hobbit is so shit. Irredeemable. Is that the one with the um, Ed Sheeran soundtrack? That's the second, second one. one. Second one, yeah. But it's like, I think the third one starts with the with the, the dragon with the three armies, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that yeah. film's so bad. That film's so so bad. <laughs> the Hobbit. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Because yeah. that's that's like twenty pages in the book. Like that's not that's not a huge part of the book. I don't even remember. Like, I remember reading, like, half the book. I can't even remember, like, orcs really being a thing in that. But maybe I'm just I remember orcs. There was a huge part where they're just in the forest. Yeah. And they're trying to get out of the forest, and they run into the bear. That's a huge part of the book. Yeah, There yeah, is yeah. a battle at the end, but it's, it's not really, like, the focus. Yeah, because the whole... Because, like, that was... I remember... Because, like, the whole thing in the hub is, like, oh, we're facing a dragon, and that's the big bad. Yeah. But the start of the third one, the... The dragon's dead within like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, what it's are we like gonna do for the next left. hour and forty minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> orcs. Everybody's seen orcs, and it's really bad CG. I don't fucking care. Yeah, yeah, and the fucking white orc. Yeah, so bad. Looks shit. Yeah. And like he's all like CG and like smooth. Yeah, but like but he has scars, and he has like, scars, and yeah. but he clearly showers like every three hours. <laughs> yeah, or he's clearly like that. clean. Yeah. But like the orcs in this one are fucking filthy. Like, they're gross. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's a shame. It is a shame. Because there like, is something there. I yeah. would love... I'd love if The Hobbit was two films. Like, the budget of the three films into two. And they were just like, we're not going to do CG, we're going to do practical effects a lot. Mm. And just use the budget that way. Because, um, like, the budget for The Lord of the Rings was a million... A hundred million each. Yeah, not a lot. Which well, that's $2,000, Yeah. It? I don't know how... How's that inflate? I have no idea. Can't be double anyway. Surely not. It mm. can't be double. So no like, way. they're not even... Even with today's none, it's like, how much does like Marvel films cost? Like, they cost 200 like, mil? Yeah, so like... That's mad. Yeah. Even if it is double, then fucking... What was it? Black Widow? What it cost? For CGI and Black Widow. It's like just kind of comparable to fucking the practical effects in Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Maybe it's an insurance issue. I'm gonna look this up. See now. I'm gonna look this up and see what the fucking thing is. What the crack is? What the crack is. Okay, so between the twenty-seven films, between the twenty-seven films, the budget has been five billion <laughs> altogether. So that's twenty-seven films, and altogether, they cost five billion. Five billion. Fuck that. Five bill. That's a lot. You know. Wait. Here we go. MCU films, <coughs> movies with the biggest biggest budgets and the ones with five of the smallest. So Ant Man, a hundred and thirty million. Is that the smallest? That's that's the least, the uh. smallest budget. Ant Man, a hundred and thirty million. That's literally about Ant. Yeah, you know, about an Ant Man. Like <laughs> most the Avengers. T- okay, so how much did the, the what do you think? All right, how much do you think was the, which one is the most expensive MCU film? Which and one? how much did it cost? Infinity War Part One, three hundred million. <clears throat> okay, Endgame, 400 million. 400 million? Yeah, 400 million. 400 million. Uh, but look at the CGI in Endgame. It's terrible, like. Age it's of Ultron good. is the second most expensive one. What was that, 300? 365. Six, 365 yeah. for Age of Ultron. 
Like Joss Whedon. <laughs> Joss Whedon. Like get on to you, you cunt. <laughs> there, there's not even a lot of CGI in that, is there? Like, well, there's like, like a com- city com- falling on top of each other. But yeah. Like, well, compared to like Endgame or something. Well, compared to like every other film, that shit robot, bro. The Ultron just cost like a hundred billion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that is dire. Look up. Um, <coughs> look up. Um, look up inflation calculator. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's definitely not double anyway. Maybe within the the movie universe, but by the way, they're they're messing up anyway. What would you adapt though into a fant- fantasy epic? Cinematic fantasy epic. What would be a good candidate? I'm not into fantasy fiction at all, so I've no I actually idea. hate fantasy. I yeah, but all the time I do hate fantasy. Yeah, but I'm also not a big sci-fi guy. Maybe I prefer fantasy. Which do you prefer, sci-fi or fantasy? Sci-fi, definitely. I don't like fantasy at all. I think I prefer fantasy. I remember fucking. I remember Dan sitting before. Why the fuck would you be into elves when you could literally be into whatever the fuck you could imagine? Like it doesn't have to be <laughs> like you could be like Lovecraft can be sci-fi. I was like, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Jeez. Fair point. Fair point. Like fantasy, fantasy has like racist undertones to oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, hugely racist. But it's all make believe. Okay, so okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. One dollar. Okay, right. So what did I say? That was a hundred, hundred million. Hundred mil. Fuck how many zeros is that? Just put six? in. Just One, put in a hundred. Three, four, five, six. Oh no! Fuck off, pop ups. Just put in a hundred. No, no. Here we go. <laughs> Value. Oh fuck! I need two more zeros. Just <laughs> put in hundred. No, 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 no. One, two, three, four, five, fully six. Fully accurate on this podcast. Calculate. That would be a hundred and a hundred and sixty. A hundred and sorry, one million. Fucking hell! <laughs> it's gone in reverse. One billion. One billion. One billion. No way. One million is a uh, one million six hundred. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, so I was reading that wrong. So one hundred and sixty mil. One hundred and sixty mil. So they cost three hundred and twenty mil altogether. Yeah. Well, so they each. cost they cost the same amount as an Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> That's such bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> an Ant Man. I haven't seen Ant Man, but. But you know, Ant Man isn't as good it's as Lord just, of the Rings. It's an Ant Man. <laughs> small fella. That's a fucking joke. That's a joke. That is a joke. They have to fix that, but they won't. But they won't. They never will. It's all CGI, man. It's all CGI, bro. You know? What did you think about the CGI crows in Resident Evil Extinction? I thought they were fairly realistic. I don't... Because it was on 1.5 speed, so it kind of <laughs> makes everything look <laughs> <Great>. better. <laughs> but uh, I thought they were cool. Resident Evil Extinction. Actually, I prefer this to Resident Evil Apocalypse. Fair. I preferred it. Because you said you, you trash-talked this film. Before we we it's watched kinda it, it's kind of boring. <laughs> it's it kind of it's Mad Max, e to mm, me. It is. It's kind of Mad. Well, that's just the desert, like the tones, the hues. Well, there's like the convoy of trucks driving and stuff mm, like that. Yeah, yeah. I wish the badass female characters. Yeah, I wish that we had a Mad Max Fury Road like esque scene where they're like driving and they're like fighting while they're driving. Yeah. Now we yeah. get. Now we do get that in. The sixth one. The sixth one returns That's to the desert. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long way off. So in like three more hours, you'll get that <laughs> in <right>. terms of <laughs> Resident Evil films. Oh, God. Yeah, this this one kind of like, it's more dramatic, isn't it? It's more kind of... Yeah, it's more character-based. Yeah, car- yeah character-based. Yeah. It takes itself way more seriously than Apocalypse. That's true, yeah. It still has that uh, that thing you are talking about in the first one, like the, the fucking crosshatch uh, lasers. 
they they're really really proud of that idea yeah yeah that is a good idea though like imagine imagine you're like doing fucking backflips and like gymnastics through all these like lasers Mm. and like some super super top secret facility and then all of a sudden they just come out with the cross hatch lasers you're like like, it's over you fucker it's over yeah at least give me a chance that's good though i forgot that that was in this film i was like oh mark mark gets to see a slice and dice now yeah yeah, slice and dice (laughs) um yeah like this film I think one of the things I don't like about this film is the five-year gap that, like, because there's five years since between Apocalypse and Extinction, or there's, like, a couple of years. Because I think, like, when they go to Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is, like, covered in, it's, like, almost entirely taken over by, like, the desert, um, Atlas is just like, yeah, it's been, like, five years since someone's been here. Mm. So, yeah, well... She said something like that. Don't they explain it? It's, like, the whole world got taken over by the t-virus yeah mm. but then, it somehow like also infected the crops and stuff like that yeah it killed the environment mm. somehow which is like like if all humans died off tomorrow wouldn't that destroy the environment as well the environment would go to shit wouldn't it would it i was thinking that would it i'm pretty like, sure we're, we're like the, the main part of the environment now aren't yeah we? but i'm pretty sure that like wasn't that thing during um the first lockdown and stuff like that like uh, like fish started to return to the seas and stuff like uh, that, like something like that. I'm pretty sure something like that happened. Maybe, yeah. Maybe things just get better. Yeah, I don't know. Because we're not polluting as much. Yeah, but then you'd have like breakdown of just like nuclear reactors would like collapse and like fucking all that stuff. You know, ah, Chernobyl's still covered in life in it. Is it? Oh know. yeah, it is. Yeah. But I guess they. they well, I guess mutated. they. They kind of. That, uh, they should have used that in the series. They all, but they also um covered up uh Chernobyl. I'm saying that. They covered up in Chernobyl, didn't they? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, I just forgot to do I had a brain for <laughs> No, they did, yeah. yeah they, they, put the, they put a big dome over it, concrete dome, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought, for a second there was like, like wait, 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 lads. Didn't one of us co- cover that up? Yeah. <laughs> wait, hold oh, on. shit, I left the stove <laughs> oh, on. I left Chernobyl open. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your fridge is running, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, no. For I was like, I watched the TV show and I can't remember if they covered that up. But I was like, <laughs> well, we're still here. Yeah, they, they covered it recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite recently. But like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wish there was more. There's no nuclear stuff in the Resident Evil franchise, as far as I'm aware. Well, except for the the nuke they dropped on Raccoon City. Yeah, also, yeah, there is a nuke in the second one. Jesus, oh, fucking dying here, <laughs> fading away, <laughs> forgetting things. Yeah, I like the way that this is the one, though, that clones come into it. Yeah, Alice clones. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what that was at the start, where she gets dumped into, like, that kind of uh, sewer pipe. Yeah. It's full of, like, dead women. I thought they were just random women. No, they're all Alice. All Alice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, like, the the one we see in the original, the first scene is a clone. Yeah. It's not actually her. I haven't a fucking breeze what they're doing with that experiment. Like, cloning her? Yeah. Well, it's just, like... They're clone. They have clones of her... And then she walks into her room, and then she gets shot. But they've done this like hundreds of times. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what they're experimenting. <laughs> like, what the, what are they trying to do? It's just fun. Yeah, it's just fun. It's just clones. So <laughs> many clones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are they trying to do? I have no idea. What are they expe- like expecting her to evolve the ability to see into the future? Because she is tele- telekinetic, isn't she? Jesus, is she? Fuck it out. When she's here at the start of the fourth one. Oh really? Oh my god. They like she gets so powerful at the start of the fourth one that they have to like remove her psychic abilities, <laughs> like the riders do. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, right. oh here's a reason. She got hit with the with the antivirus, the antivirus, and that's like cut off her T cells. Oh, right. So she's like back to being like 
regular Alice because she's like, <laughs> she's like throwing monsters around with her brain in this one and stuff like that. She's OP. Mm. She's so OP in this <laughs> film. Um, yeah, the whole Mad Max vibe. Uh, I think that like, I just like the location of Raccoon City in the <laughs> second one. And I love the location. I love the lab in the first one. Yeah, I like. The, I prefer the location of this one. Mm. It seems more like, I don't know. It's more. It's more of a chase anyway. It's yeah. more like I don't know because like I don't know. Raccoon City felt very enclosed, which works obviously, mm. especially for a video game. Yeah, but it's also my dark and stuff. Yeah, it's really well. Man. I, this one's nice and bright. Yeah, like I like. Like it seems really well shot. Yeah, you know? it's well done. You know, but it it like it is way more serious. I think it's like less uh, campy, maybe. Yeah. Less campy. And I like the films being stupid. It's not as stupid as the other ones are. Mm. I like as well. One of my. F- I love in Resident Evil films, uh, like you have like a cast of characters and you can see a million miles away. It's like, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're fucking definitely dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you get to live and you get to live because you're named after video game characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see, you see uh, Imhotep's in the film. Who the fuck is that? Imhotep from The Mummy. Imhotep, Imhotep, The Mummy. Oh He's my man. God, he is. He's Carlos. He's in the second one as well. What the fuck? Is he in the second one? He's the yeah. He's the yeah. He's in the second one. He's the ranger that like survives at the end of the second one as well. I just I just think the fact that he was in the desert. I was like, that's Imhotep. Oh my that god, Jesus, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, you know, he's he's good in this. Mm. He's a great actor. He's, he's a good actor. This is after the mummy as well. I like I like the well, I like how he dies as well. It's like <laughs> TJ, you son of a bitch. And he pulls out a joint. Yeah, <laughs> he's like yeah. lighting the joint as he's going up in flames. <laughs> um, yeah, I like yeah, just the, the <clears throat> characters. I don't understand that. You know the guy that was like GTA motherfucker in this in the second one. Yeah, yeah. He's like bit by a zombie, but in the f- in the second one they're just like, yeah, you only have a couple of hours when you're bit. You only have a couple of hours. This dude fought off the T virus for a solid two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? I uh, yeah, that didn't make any sense. I was like, did you forget that you wrote in the second film that people only have a few hours before they turn? Because mm. he's kicking for a while. They must have some like the antivirus or something. Is it? I don't know. It seems like a really glaring plot hole. Yeah, I think it is just a plot hole. I don't know. They needed a bit. Oh, why did he, he didn't tell anyone as well? It's like you know what's gonna happen, you fucking dickhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, God bless him. God bless him. He got absolutely annihilated by his mate <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when did you see what? Because you know the guy with the sunglasses <laughs> in the boardroom. Yeah, yeah. Because that guy is played by a different guy in the fourth and fifth and the sixth ones. Yeah, is they he? Re- is they all the same character? Yeah, he's meant to be the same the same character. Why does he change person? Um, because I assume that like this guy is <laughs> is shit. <laughs> he was shit. He was shit. He's so bad. He's so bad. I was wondering because everyone else is very solid, mm. and then there's just this guy. He's like a community play, kind of like fucking just walked in. It's like, do you want to do you want to do this? He's even the sunglasses as well. It's like some yeah. off Hardy books or something. He looks shit. He just walks in. Yeah, the guy in the fourth film looks like looks different as well, and he's like. Way more, uh, way more into it, I guess. Yeah, your man uh, Isaac's. He was good. Yeah, he yeah he's good. as a what's his name. He becomes tyrant. Is that what he becomes? Yeah, the monster at the end. Is that what it's called, tyrant? tyrant yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, he's good. I think was he in the second film? No, wait, there's a different evil scientist in the second film. Mm. He was at the end of the second one, though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he's good. He is good. He's actually good. Oh, he's in loads of films. Yeah, I've seen... I was going to say, I've definitely seen him in something else as well. He comes back into it in the sixth one. Oh, your man. Your man's Irish. Is he? Yeah. 
from uh, the guy with the glasses. <laughs> from the guy with the glasses. The guy in the boardroom with the glasses. Oh, sorry. This is about uh, no, no, Doctor no, Isaac. No, no, Isaac no. Yeah, yeah. No, the guy. The shit actor is, is Irish. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it, Jason O'Mara. Oh, he's Jesus! From, he's from Sandy Cove. Jesus, that he really is Irish. Jason O'Mara. He's from Sandy Fucking Cove. Hell. He's from Sandy Cove. Yeah, That's a, that a, says a lot. He was a bad Wesker. Yeah. Poor casting, but wait until you see the guy that they get in the next one. We'll see. Wait until you see. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I can't wait for you to see the sunglasses fight. It is <laughs> one of the greatest things. Put put the put the cinema. It's not this. I think. This one wasn't directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. No. I think the fifth one is when he comes back. I think. Which is why this film isn't stupid, I think. It's because Paul W.S. Anderson isn't a director. Mm, yeah, Russell Mulcahy did it. Yeah. Is he, is he Irish as well? No. Mulcahy? Right. No, he's not. He's uh. Australian. Uh. Basically well, Irish. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll claim him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, do you want to go for a break? Yes, go for a break. Six. And now, moving on to our recommended film of the week, F for Fake by Orson Welles, 1973 film by the great Orson Welles. He directed Kane, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did all them mad films, uh, Kane and, um, yeah. I don't know what else he's done. <laughs> he didn't do much else, really. Uh, yeah, but he, uh, this is, yeah, F for Fake. Uh, Orson Welles' final film documents the life of infamous fakers, Elmir Dehori and Clifford Irving. Dohori, who later committed suicide to avoid prison time, made his name by selling forged work, works of art by painters like Picasso and Matisse. Irving was famous for writing a fake autobiography of Howard Hughes. Wells moves between documentary and fiction as he examines the fundamental elements of fraud and the people who commit fraud at the expense of others. So, this is not a very conventional film, not a usual film that we recommend. Because mm, yeah. there's no real plot. Because it's more of a documentary. Uh, I mean, like, that, it's not a, it's yeah. not a typical documentary. Yeah, apparently when he was making it, uh, F- Wells envisioned it as a... He was asked like what it was. And like, different people were like, oh, like this new documentary you're shooting. And apparently he didn't consider it a documentary or like obviously a narrative, really. He considered it like an entirely new um, kind of film in terms of like a film essay yeah. that is like sort of like interactive. Yeah, I mean... I kind of agree with him because it's not, it's not really a documentary. <laughs> yeah, because it could be the first hour is a film essay. Yeah, it's a documentary. No, yeah, the first hour is is a documentary, but then like it, it's it's not just you know there's the other like the rest of the film mm-hmm. and then there's bits and pieces in between and like the kind of framing and the presentation is clearly not all true. Yeah, and that's the point of the film. It's like about fakery and about authenticity. Yeah, and what that means in art. Um, so it's like it's kind of like a work of art in itself it's something that you have to approach knowing that it is that it can't possibly represent truly what it is claims to be doing you know yeah and I appreciate that because that's kind of a that's kind of a problem with documentaries it's like yeah this is you know we are <clears throat> like to take um, you know the documentary we were talking about earlier about folk folk uh, horror and stuff like that it constructs a line, a, a history line, that uh, which is like history in itself is a way that we narrativize basically, like the past. It's a it's a a narrative that we put onto the past to make to make it make sense, mm. to make time make sense. But like that's not 
real like that's not a real thing that happens and mm. art doesn't really work that way either like the progression of art so like f for fake is admitting in and of itself that like this isn't real and like the narrative that we're telling here isn't reality either mm. but does that really matter yeah yeah it's 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 going for something like that yeah yeah, yeah it is a weird one you know um because yeah it's like authenticity yeah it's like questions of authenticity what is real um in like a documentary sense but also yeah like in terms of like what like you know that uh that painting like uh this is not a pipe yeah you know this isn't a pipe it's just a representation of a pipe it can't mm-hmm. be real it's a representation it's like a layering over reality and it can't ever be more than that but like mm-hmm. it applies to pretty much every work of art mm-hmm. you know what was that post-structuralism or something i think it is yeah or structuralism, I can't remember which one, one of it them, is. Anyway. <laughs> which one of them? <laughs> Free structuralism, but um, but yeah, it's kind of like uh, Herzog's approach to documentary, which mm-hmm. we touched on before. Kind of the what was his word for it? He had a manifesto, kind of uh, ecstatic truth. I think was his, yes, his term, it, yeah. ecstatic truth. So he like he he does loads of documentaries, and his approach was um, like kind of the opposite of something where like like you think in the documentaries, you're thinking David Attenborough commentating over like a fucking lemur chewing a leaf and you're like oh the lemur is chewing the leaf yeah is it really chewing the leaf though david you know it's like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well like it's uh, like i think the best the best example of that is that really famous clip of the lizard running away from all the snakes that was in like planet earth 2 or whatever which one it was and like it's like in that's like a perfect encapsulation of like what what we do with documentaries where like in that microcosm of Planet Earth 2, it's like, there's the good guy, and the snakes are all the bad guys, and, like, we're rooting for... You always root for the the prey to get away and stuff like that. Like, that's the good guy, and, like, the things trying to kill her are the villains. But that's not how nature works. <laughs> yeah, there's no villain, man. There's no villain in, like, in nature. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. It's all, like, yeah, recombinations, just, like, just the way it is, you know? But, um, but yeah, like, Herzog's approach would be or, like, the opposite of the realist approach, where he's not trying to, like, portray... He's not tr- trying to stand back and being, like, the objective um, sort of documentarian, just sort of laying it out, or, or pretending, anyway, to lay out the truth as it is. Mm-hmm. His approach is to get involved actively with the story, like something like Grizzly Man, where he's there. It's like it's like the perfect example. Is the scene in Grizzly... The white elephant. <laughs> yeah, this perfect encapsulation of what we're talking about is the scene in um, Herzog's Grizzly Man, where he listens to the last moments of the grizzly man as he's dying like he's literally literally in mm-hmm. the film um interacting with like sort of the uh with your man's mother and listening to the the subject's last moments and he's the entire time he's giving feedback to the camera he's like in the story mm-hmm. and he's like he's, there's no real sort of uh pretensions about being like this is you know he's not trying to moralize it he's just like telling a story and he's not saying this is like perfect reality this is just the story as he understands it and mm-hmm. has it as he's trying to share with the audience. And within you know? that, there, it isn't the truth, but there is a truth within that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like a fabulous, a fabulous kind of truth, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is which is even more true than just, you know, trying to be like as objective as possible, like, tr- like pretending to be non-biased yeah. when you're not. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, admit but the fact. But he can't be. Yeah, yeah. like uh, objectivity isn't real. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Uh. If, you, if you're creating a documentary, you're, coming from it from a subjective point of view mm. yeah it's better to sort of concede to that and be more playful about it mm-hmm. um, than to be just really cold and sterile and sort of like a 
I don't know how you'd, how you'd put it. Just like re- like like hyper realism. Yeah, because I would say that like Orson Welles is very. Um, I think he kind of he seems to really like uh, the two guys that, that the film is about Elmer or the other guys. He seems to like like um, <clears throat> he gets on with them anyway. They go he, crack. He gets on with them, but like he doesn't villainize them or anything like that. But like if this was a true crime documentary about this guy that made forgeries, he'd be portrayed as this like master villain that like f- fucking. Uh, stole basically from other people but like yeah, that's yeah. but like you can kind of tell that he is a bit of a scumbag because he's a because for- he's a, you know he makes forgeries and stuff like that but it's also kind of gasp that he did that because in doing this he kind of exposes that like the art world is a load of fucking bullshit <laughs> yeah there's a huge <clears throat> element in the film of like the commodification of art and even art criticism yeah yeah like the 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 sort of boundaries between experts and uh, or so-called experts and yeah. like the artists themselves and like or experts and fakers on one side and then like the artists and like what does it mean like what's the difference between them mm-hmm. you know like like the, the the whole subject of the documentary is your man Elmir he was like some fucking random guy like some Hungarian refugee that was apparently like living you know paycheck to paycheck in the slums and like emigrated to fucking to America. And the only way he could get by was by, by selling forgeries of like famous artwork or, mm-hmm. or famous works by by famous artists, uh, and that's how he got by. But at the same time, uh, it's not like it doesn't cast him as this this you know yeah this madcap villain mm-hmm. who's like who somehow managed to scam the world. It's like it 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 really like labors on the point of the fact that he couldn't have gotten away with it uh, if not for the fact if not for the collusion of the people who bought it mm-hmm. like off him. And uh, it even addre- it, it addressed it at one point because throughout the entire film, and leading up to the end of his life, like the reason he committed suicide was because uh, the French authorities who who've been after him for ages, uh, trying to get him for fraud charges. Yeah, and um, they eventually signed an extradition treaty with uh, Spain, like Franco with Spain. I think Franco had just fallen, and um, or just died, and eventually they got uh, they got permission to extradite your man uh, Elmir. So he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. But the only reason. They couldn't do that before, was because they didn't have a really solid case because no one would testify yeah. against him. Because you need to have you need to have evidence that he painted these paintings and that he signed them, and no one was going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no one was there to do it, and there was no one really to testify against him because to do that would put their own investments in jeopardy. Yeah, because their own reputation. Because the only people that saw it were I think it was like one point was like major, huge art dealers would be uh, would be were were a part of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And they didn't want to know if it was fake or not. Yeah, because like I think there's, I think a lot of his fakes are still out there, in like different collections. Well, and stuff. he literally said like, if you knew all the fakes that I make, like major uh, museums would have to, would have to destroy the works of art that they have. Yeah, entire collections and stuff. Because yeah. it's like none of it is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, like you have to applaud the guy, like, uh, like, like he's not the villain. Clearly, like, the, like, who's the victim here? Like. Rich art dealers, yeah, rich art dealers. Fuck yeah. them, <laughs> fuck them, you know. And the guy is clearly very, very talented. The mm-hmm. fact that he can reproduce these great works of art, and people, you know, supposed experts, whatever about that, they can't tell really the difference. Like the guy's clearly very talented, mm-hmm. but he's just being like forced into through his conditions. He's just been forced into this kind of like slummy way to to get by. Yeah, and um, I think that, that those like the main questions of of what Orson Welles is talking about in the first hour. Um, yeah, you know, it's like. What is what is art? You know, what, what or like what's what's the point of having experts? Like, or why is this expert class kind of come about? And uh, like, what is 
what differenti- what differentiates um an Elmir fake from like a like a an authentic Picasso mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. And his presentation is very like the the film is actually like hugely um like not panned. It was very very mixed reception, like polarized reception. Yeah. I'd say where uh, at the time when it came out, it was like oh the people praising it, saying oh this is like groundbreaking or whatever and then there's people going like, this is fucking pretentious bullshit like this is the most pretentious film ever and it yeah. is it's extremely pretentious but it's also kind of it's aware of the fact that it's pretentious oh like, man yeah yeah like he's like, winking I, at the camera yeah. he, tar- he has a fucking fedora <laughs> on <laughs> he's smoking a cigar like he's he he very clearly knows yeah he knows he's like i'm orson wells yeah. i can do what i want <laughs> yeah i'm orson wells i can make i made citizen kane like i can do whatever the fuck i want yeah, yeah. and i had this documentary where i'm talking about fakes and forgeries and all this type of shit and it's the entire thing is this criticism of the art world and authenticity all these like really pretentious topics and he's having a fedora smoking his cigar he's in the field when he's talking about picasso and stuff like that yeah. he has his girlfriends in the film uh being like she's like, being ogled by being like, ogled like he's yeah. literally like look how hot my girlfriend is <laughs> and it's just like Orson you know like you Orson you dog like, and he's like winking at the camera as he said like he knows mm. that this is bullshit <laughs> yeah 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 um, but that's yeah effort fake the whole like the whole project is, is fake, fake like, in its own way yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's all it's all fake it's all inauthentic like, it's not truly real mm-hmm. but that doesn't you know take away from it really because yeah. it's just a film and even like i think like the start of the film like very clearly pans it out where it's just like orson Welles is uh, is being a magician for this kid and he's mm. just like it's all sleight of hand like there's no real magic here like i'm it's all trickery and then like you see the cameras and stuff like that that are like the documentary the documentary cameras are being shown the set is being moved behind him and stuff like that like he's literally like this is all this is like it's literally like the bit in Mulholland Drive. Was like this is all an illusion. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, Holy Mountain. Yeah, this is all fake. I'm constructing something here, and I'm tricking you. But and that's also films in general. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's like films in general aren't they trick you to make to have, to make you feel certain ways? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and like if you if you watch a film and you're sad, does that or if you're happy or whatever does that negate like because the film isn't reality the film isn't real but that doesn't diminish the emotional response that you had to that i remember okay right joe rogan is in hot water at the moment right (laughs) joe rogan's in hot water at the moment over his fucking vaccine bullshit whatever however i'm gonna joe rogan once said a really good thing before where he was talking about the difference between someone that like the like an angel like gabriel came down to them and talked to them right Mm. so like what is the difference between someone that was like on acid having a trip on heroin whatever had this like had this mad trip where they're like an angel came down and spoke to me and told me something and they their life changed from that point what is the difference between someone that had a drug experience where that happened and they believed it to be real and it actually happened to him when an angel came out and spoke. What is the difference between those two experiences? Mm, yeah, it doesn't really matter because the the end result is still the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then but you have like the class of people, you know, kind of the uh, I don't know, the bedwetters or whatever, like the adjudicators, like mm-hmm. the the art experts in this film, and then you know maybe like. I don't know, scientists in the Joe Rogan's case were like, no, yeah. that's not, you know, that's not, you know, 
they just kind of like pick holes in it, but it's all kind of based on um, institutional knowledge or it like sort of a yeah, like frozen kind of dead knowledge. It's not something that's like act you can actively play with. Mm-hmm. Like art, I think I think it's a quote in the film: "Art is a lie which illuminates the truth." Yes, I think that's what, what mm-hmm. Orson Welles says. And that's like the whole. That's like the thesis of the film. Like the art is something is a lie. It's not real, mm-hmm. but it's something that you can. That's like it's ex- Herzog's exact point as well. It's something that that like sort of invites you, oh, okay. in a creative sense, to uh, to sort of find the truth or to uh, you know, it, it it points you in the right direction. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not about oh this is this is ex- is exactly how it happened. This is exactly true. These are the facts. It's like, there are no facts. There are no facts in this day and age. Yeah. Read McLuhan, man. There's no facts. <laughs> All news is fake. <laughs> but um, but it has a great great like backstory as well about like because uh, obviously you have Elmir. The like it's, it is all true as well mm-hmm. about him as the like the sort of like yeah yeah we I am watching this like how did this guy get away with this yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like is this actually true and it actually was Elmir like he actually got away with all that stuff I guess it also helps that the fact that it's a, such a fantastical story yeah yeah like yeah. the truth is fucking ridiculous as well mm. yeah you'd almost not believe it yeah but it is it, it did actually happen and then they had a and like the sort of a the undercurrent to that, like the the B plot, is the fact that his biographer, Elmer's biographer, Clifford Irving, was uh, convicted. I think that year, the year came out for uh, creating a fake biography, an unauthorized biography of uh, Howard Hughes. Um, so the guy who was fa- who was covering a faker ended up being a fake, mm-hmm. and then Orson Welles made a fake film about. You know, it's like yeah. there's different layers. Yeah, you know, it's so many so layers. Many, yeah, yeah. It's so, so uh, it's watertight. Like it's yeah. so many layers. Yeah, and then uh, Orson Welles like incriminates himself, talking about like how he's a complete fraud, <laughs> complete fake as well. <laughs> like the most famous thing he ever, well, besides Susan Cain, is the War of the Worlds incident. Yeah, yeah. Which was fake, completely like, fraudulent, <laughs> completely yeah, yeah. fake. Like people just thought people believed it to be real. You know, mm. and that's that's all that mattered. That's, yeah, it's an experience didn't, for them. Didn't matter if it was real or not. They believed it to be real. That's mm. all that mattered. Um, yeah. Even the even the fact that we know what it is, we know it was fake. It's still real in a way, because it tells you something about people mm-hmm. and about like the time, and like I don't know, the or sense some, of panic of the time. Yeah, like yeah. It it says something anyway, even if it isn't. If it was obviously all fake. And then he goes on to tell the story of how he actually got into acting as well, which probably it's probably a fake story. As yeah, well, I don't be believe that. Yeah, I don't believe <laughs> it. But basically, his, his his story was he he went to Ireland. He came, he came to Ireland. Which is great. Like when when I heard him say Ireland, I was like, "Oh, it's like you." you know. I thought for a second I heard him wrong. Yeah. I was like, "Did he say Ireland?" And he's like, "And then I went to Dublin." I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came to Ireland when he was sixteen, and he did a tour of the country apparently, and uh, he he did an Elmir basically. The only way he could get by was like staying with farmers and selling them, or no, giving them his paintings in return for food and like sort of like shelter and stuff like that. And then he got to Dublin, and. Um, what what is true that he he is he did get to Dublin when he was eighteen and uh, he ended up, he started working he started acting at the Gate Theatre like at the top of Parnell Street. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. mad. It is absolutely mad. Mm. Or at the top of O'Connell Street, but he started he started working there. And his story in the film, as he tells it, is he walked in and he claimed to be a famous actor from New York and that he he'd uh, he'd been on Broadway and that uh, he was like a big like a big thing over in over stateside and they're like oh like get on board like mm-hmm. let's let's get you in here you know and that's how he started acting. And that is, it is true that he started there, but like, how much of the story that he, as he told it, was true? It doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. it's a good story, and it tells you something about him, and it tells you something about the time, and it's just, 
it's just a good story, it's you know. Good story. It illuminates the truth yeah. to some extent. Like we all, we all do that. Where like, oh yeah, yeah, we tell a story and we kind of exaggerate certain points of the story. That's the best part because like it's in order to get, it's in order to make it funny and stuff like that. You know, yeah. like I think Irish people do that all the fucking time. Mm, but that's what people like. You know, people don't care. You know, yeah, the people listening that doesn't aren't matter. Like, yeah, that doesn't yeah. matter. They're not you know? like it doesn't matter if, if it's funny. It works. If it like it gets an emotion out of you. If it works as a story, it doesn't really matter, you know? Unless you're completely making things yeah. up and like hurting people or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <at> that point. <laughs> yeah, some people went too far with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like the, and even the fact that like, he tells you the opening of the film is like, because the film is like 80, 90 minutes long and Orson Welles is like, for an hour of this film, I'm going to tell you the truth. I was like, like, hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what about the other 30 minutes, 20 minutes that are are in this film? And then, you know, he tells like a bullshit story about Picasso. And it's a great story. It is. And it's like, it is like, you're like, this can't be real. But the story of Elmer is so fucking ridiculous and is more or less true. Like, maybe this is real as well. And then he's like, for the last 20 minutes, I've been lying to you about that story about Picasso. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I've been lying my hat off. It's like, we know you have a hat. <laughs> <laughs> we can see the hat. <laughs> we can see that. Yeah. But it is like such a great story that like it's told really like well visually as yeah. well. You like had the photos of Picasso and then like the blinds out. It's like mm-hmm. it's like avant garde almost. This guy's like in his this guy's in his dying days. Well, the last decade of his life. And he's already done everything. Like he's made the greatest films of all time. He doesn't need to do anything else. He has made the greatest film of all time. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. Which even he seems to think is a lot of bullshit. <laughs> The guy, like, oh, he's like a, you know, I don't know, like, absolute legend, you know? Like, the fact that he still was, like, pushing the envelope to that extent, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end of his life, even though he he kind of been outcast by Hollywood, yeah. like, decades before as well, he just kept, he kept going. He's mad. You have to respect him. You have to, you you have have to respect, respect the, the hustle. The hustle. <laughs> the hustle. The hustle. Starting at the gate and making it all the way to the top. My God. I think that's one of the things that he says as well, where he's just like... I started at the top and I had to work my way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's such a great description. He's like, my, my first film was described as the best film ever made. Mm. And now I have to work my way down. <laughs> yeah, he was 26, wasn't he? Yeah. Fucking mad. Yeah, yeah. And he did that just after the fucking, what you call it? Um, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Yeah. And that's only after recently starting acting. It's like, this guy. It's like, I, I peaked too soon. <laughs> yeah. But you can tell because he has like different shots in... Um, or different sequences where he's like relaying the story. He does this weird thing where he's like he's telling the story by like just putting on the accent of the person <laughs> he's talking about, <laughs> and then the he, Hungarian accent. Yeah, are. but he doesn't have like intercut. He he's just like he's he's using he's doing two voices, and then sometimes it's his voice as well. And he's like trying to tell us. It's really confusing, but like mm-hmm. he's like he's like at like a dinner table or whatever. You could tell this guy would have been amazing to have points with you know. Oh everyone, my god! Everyone's just hanging on his word. He just knows how to tell the story. And, like, that's the whole thing, because it's all, you know, obviously it's not fully authentic, because he's just, pu- he's literally just putting on the voices. Mm-hmm. And then there's different parts in the film where, um, remember the part where it's, like, uh, Elmir and Clifford? And yeah, it's like, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. there's, like, no dialogue. It's just them, like, like, like that's, blank faces. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's just edited to make it seem like it's all in one, it was all yeah. in one place, but, like, it wasn't. Yeah, it's edited to make it seem like there's, like, an awkward silence, and you're waiting for one to say something. But it's just the editing and the way that they've... Uh, it's kind of... Just, it's like pulling back the curtain again. Just yeah. like showing the editing process and like how the fact that they're trying to tell the story at all is means that it's they basically abdicated like any real 
like authenticity. Like you can't you can't be in the room with them. Yeah. There is no room where they're actually together. You know, it's all fake. Yeah, because like like multiple times. Because like I think that if you weren't fully paying attention to the film, you think that they were like it was just two dudes having a conversation, but they weren't. Those scenes weren't. I looked. It was on. I read this on Wikipedia. Um, those sh- those scenes weren't shot at the same time. Like those mm. fellas were in a room by themselves. Yeah, yeah. But Orson Welles edited to make it seem like they were in the same room, but then he like he basically shows you like it's not real because of this minute long silence that's between them. And it's like this isn't. I've I have constructed this. Ah. Uh-huh. This like, uh, this reality i guess or whatever you know slide a hand yeah he's a magician yeah i completely forgot that he did war of the worlds until until mm. this documentary he was like oh yeah when i did war of the worlds like oh my god yeah he did <laughs> i forgot about that um even the fact that um like citizen kane is a fake howard hughes story mm. you know what i mean like it's yeah. it's like it's loosely based on of howard hughes yeah it's like it's like a fake biography. It's of a fake Hughes. biography. Of Howard Hughes. This film is about a guy who gets sent to prison. He yeah. went to prison for two years because he made a fake autobiography yeah. of Howard Hughes. Like, like, it's, like if Citizen Kane was called Citizen Hughes, you know what I mean? He'd be in hot water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's yeah, like the film rhymes, and it's just like it's mad poetic in that way because you can just you can just make those uh, connections. And like that's but that's the way all like art works. You know? Yeah, it's like making random connections. But like Orson Welles, like obviously. Mi- mi- living a mad life where there's just so many things to connect mm-hmm. and like it just shows up in the film it's just like the film is like, it's only nine minutes long but it feels like there's a, there's a, you, ha- you can't really like not pay attention to it, it you know there's a lot going on lashes information at you so yeah. quickly mm. so quickly like to the point where like these are like bits like I, I understood the general thing a lot of this film I completely missed because it just lashes information at you super quickly. Mm. Like when I was taking, I only took, I took very few notes while watching this film because I was like, oh, I have to keep watching this because if I don't pay attention, I'm gonna be lost. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. The last thirty minutes, I didn't fully get what was going on. Mm. I didn't really get it, and uh, I thought there'd be more to it. But is it just that like that's a fake story? I think it's just a fake story, and it's in a documentary. Yeah, and it's like, like this isn't. Like this story is fake. Mm. Just like making a documentary about something is a fake story. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like ever see that like show Fact or Fake, where it's like they I tell a story so. and then at the end there's like a presenter and he comes on and he he looks like Orson Welles mm. and um, he's like by a fire and stuff and he's like uh, like well, what do you think of that one? And then he like he reveals whether it was true or not. He's like, oh no, that we faked that one. That that didn't happen. Yeah. You ever see that? No, I haven't seen that. It one. literally. I thought it, it had it had has it looks the exact same as like the last half an hour <laughs> of this film. He's like, I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just Orson Welles. I don't know. It's I can't remember. Yeah. You, you know if you saw it, but like, yeah, it was that kind of format. I was like, is it, it seems mad simplistic, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, I wasn't yeah. sure. I think that's. It. I think that is. I think that is what he's going for, especially because like. You want that Picasso story to be real because it's such a good story. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think you're one. Horny Picasso, yeah. Horny Picasso just lashing one out in front of this girl, <laughs> painting paintings. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like one of those things where, like, you you really want. It's like that, um, oh, what's that thing called? Cognitive bias, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you want you want this thing to be true, so therefore it is true, and you will. You will find you will get information to make it true. 
Mm, yeah, that yeah. type of thing. It's like, oh, well, I watched a documentary where Picasso had this thing, and and it was a documentary, so it has to be real. <laughs> yeah, might as well go around pretend that's true. Yeah, yeah tell us a story. Everyone's like, this fucking pretentious. Yeah, cunt. it's like I saw this, and I saw I saw in a documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can tell what the name of the documentary was, but <laughs> <laughs> F for fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what name. I forgot. I forgot the name. Yeah, it's really, really good film. Really good film. I think it's. It is an acquired taste. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because it is like, it's all over the place. It's also really cheesy. <laughs> it's just like, he's, the man's walking around fedora. <laughs> like, it's like, look how hot my girlfriend is. I just made that up. It's like, <laughs> she was so hot, Pablo Picasso painted 22 paintings yeah. just for her, man. And then, but like, it's, it's, it's very on brand though, you know? Yeah. Even if you don't know who he is. Like, you can tell. That's, that's the kind of guy he is. It is enjoyable in that way, you know? It is, yeah. Wells just seems like a, such a character. Seems like a lad. Like. He seems, as you said, like, you would fucking love to have a point with him. Yeah, the stories. The stories he the would stories tell. The stories he'd have. Because even like that bit where like he's sitting around in the restaurant with, with his mates and they're all just telling stories or whatever and he's he's there talking, he's there with a cigar and he's like, oh, now bring me the steak and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, I want to sit there and I do want to be in the room with you when you're just talking shy. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, man. So, man. Get him on the Joe Rogan. <laughs> we'll get him on here. Yeah, we'll get him on here. <laughs> <laughs> Call him out. Orson, we're, we're asking for you. Uh, you Orson know. underscore Wells. We'll, we'll get, get on the PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get on to the lads at the gate. Yeah. But yeah. It, I'm glad, because, like, it, was, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting, because I heard about this thing, but I know, like, hearing about something and then experiencing that is two different things. Yeah. Just like art itself. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You know? Art, the lie which illuminates the truth. <clears throat> we move on to the news section. We'll move on to our news. There's quite a bit of news. Yeah, we got one big topic. One big news. We're cancelling Josh Whedon. Yeah, we're, 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 we're now going to hop on the bandwagon of cancelling Josh Whedon. Cause he's we cancelled him before. To be yeah, fair. we've always said he's a dickhead. We've never, <laughs> never had a good word to say about that guy. Yeah, I remember watching Dollhouse when I was younger thinking that was really good. And now I'm old. I'm like, it's on Disney+. Plus, and I was like looking at it I was like... Shit. Oh, I say that's really bad now. Mm. I say it was always bad, but like, I say it's really, really weird because I saw a tweet or something that like he is like a king thing for him as well. It's like his fantasy to do what? to have a a woman that's a blank slate and he can just put whatever personality he wants onto her. Disgusting yeah. pedophile. <laughs> what a pedophile. What, See, a, what you, an you, evil man. You want the child is what you're saying. Yeah. My God. You want pure He's, innocence. He did do um. Shit. He did Toy Story. Did he? He did Toy Story 1. Okay, he's done one good he thing. He was a co-writer. Doesn't count. He didn't do anything. Doesn't count. Didn't do anything. Doesn't count. He wrote um, one line. Probably, yeah. He did Alien Resurrection. There we go. That's really bad. That film that is shit, fucking awful. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is pretty good. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. That is not... That, like, there's nothing else. His TV show is Flyerfied. There's a reason why that got cancelled. Flyerfied. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Like... Um, Buffy. Even Buffy. Buffy failed. Buffy was a film and that bombed and no one liked it. And then they're like, this guy's dad. I know this guy's dad. Let's give him a TV series. Mm-hmm. It's like any other person, they, their career would be finished. I say Buffy, finished. Buffy is beloved despite Joss Whedon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, don't, I, I don't know much about Buffy, but... I've never seen Buffy. Apparently it's all right. Apparently it is all right, but I'm going to say... It's pretty all right in the way, like... I'm going to say it's because right. of... Um, what's, her, what's her name? Michelle. Oh, Sarah Michelle Geller. She, she already Sarah. called him out as a beautiful. Yeah. Affair. 
Or as like a weirdo anyway. <laughs> she didn't say, but well, she says he's a fucking weirdo. She's like distanced himself from I'm him. I'm pretty sure everyone that, I'm pretty sure the entire cast were just like, he's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. The entire Justice League crew were like, he's a piece of shit. He's evil. He's just a cunt. Like, yeah, yeah. Like there's too many people like that. But he's back in the news at the moment because he decided to speak out and uh, talk about all the controversies that were coming out to him last year with um, Ray Fisher who was Cyborg, being like, Joss Whedon's a fucking piece of shit. And fair I, play to him. Fair play to him. Because no one else had the balls. Yeah, no one else was him. doing it. And then he did it, and then a flurry of other stories came out. And Joss Whedon's a fucking piece of shit. And he decided to open his mouth and then talk about it and just confirm that he is a fucking piece of shit. He's mad. He's absolutely mad. Yeah, I saw one story about how he, uh, when they are doing Buffy, he was a showrunner or whatever. So they had different people write it, and he'd oversee it. And one of the women... One of the women writers wrote a script, and then he brought everyone together, got them in a big room, and read out the script, did, like, you know, funny voices reading mm-hmm. it, like, mocking her. And he, she was in tears the entire time, yeah, and everyone it. was, like, really uncomfortable. Yeah, he did, apparently it was like a, he did it as if it was a lecture on bad writing, but it was one of the women's scripts, and it's like... A lecture on bad writing. It's like, you're Joss jo- you Whedon. You can't say fucking anything. You're Joss Whedon, man. You're Joss Whedon. He's a terrible writer. He's a terrible writer. I hate writer. quips. I hate quips because of him. You can't write. Did you see that thing that he wrote about, like, uh, about Ultron? No. Where he's just like, Ultron is a cursed per. Oh, what the fuck was it? It was something like... Ultron's a- neuro- neurodivergence. He's like, Ultron is a genius, and like... Oh, yeah, he wants to be Ultron. He, he thinks he's he, Ultron. He thinks he is Ultron. He's like, yeah. he's an evil genius that people despise, but like, he is like, he has some merit or whatever, and that's me. I was like... What is wrong with you? <laughs> he, he just said everyone hates him. Yeah, like I was like, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. Yeah, but the people people hate me. People keep trying to tear me down. Yeah, the haters. He hate also him. he also said something that like um, it's it's ironic that like at the start of my career and stuff like that, it was the internet that pulled me up, and now it's the internet that dragged me back down. And it's like, yep, because two thousands culture was the fucking worst, <laughs> and it and it and it appreciated and loved like men like you. Mm. and now buddy you're in the wave we're like i'm gonna like the internet has gotten woke and has become more feminist and stuff like that and now cons like you're getting turned down <laughs> shouldn't have been put up in the first place yeah. the people who, who like is though four channels <laughs> it's not even it's just mm. weirdos you know I, do you know anyone who actually likes anything he's done i don't know anyone I don't know anyone. I feel like well, people like Avengers. Like yeah, the first but like, Avengers movie. But that's, like, that's despite Joss Whedon. We could have directed that. Mm-hmm. Any, a, a dog could have directed yeah. the Avengers. No, and anyone would have liked it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, no one directed the Avengers. It was fucking pieced together, you know, on an assembly line. It was a robot film. Yeah, you know, anyone could direct it. I think that it's. Fu- I think it's funny that like Joss Whedon would see himself as like a great auteur and stuff like that, mm. and like Zack Snyder. He's uh, shit as well. He's shit as well. <laughs> but he's, shit, he's shit. But apparently, he's Jack, Jack, uh, Jack Snyder. Zack Snyder seems like he's a he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he seems like a nice guy. Uh, doesn't make good films that I like, but I like the fact that Joss Whedon's like, oh, I'll make your, I'll take your film and I'll make it better, or whatever, with Justice League because he's a family tragedy. Mm. And cut out a bunch of shit because like this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this is shit, this is shit, all this gone. And then it came out and people fucking hated it. And then Zack Snyder made his four-hour film, and people lo- like people liked it. People loved it. <laughs> people, like it. Yeah. people liked it a lot more than the original Justice League. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how does it make you feel, Joss, that your two and a half-hour IMAX extravaganza 
didn't wasn't as good as Zack Snyder's four hour long one for one aspect ratio film. Yeah, my god. Yeah, that was long, man. <laughs> You're finished. You're done. <laughs> you There's no coming back from that. Maybe that's why like people felt they could come out against him because he was already He's down. He's already <clears throat> yeah, he's down. Like they might as well kick him in the teeth, yeah. you know. Like this could be the finishing blow, you know. Yeah, the please, God. That story where like um the pregnant woman on set. Did you hear about that? He took no. the piss out of her for being pregnant and stuff like that. He got really angry at her for being pregnant or something like that. I can't remember the specifics of it, mm. but it's like, you're a fucking dickhead. Yeah. He did an interview where he admitted to killing a kid when he was four. Yeah. He killed a child when he was four, you know? And the the, the interview was obviously about him, you know? So he's like, yeah, my parents are really, really bad, you know? It's like, that's not your parents' fault, man. You killed someone when you were four years old. You know? Look that up. It's insane. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe that. Well, he didn't kill them, but like, it was his fault. Yeah. Yeah, bullying, gaslighting, girl bossing to the max. Killing children, <laughs> you know? Child killer. He's a girl boss, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, he's the, I feel like he he thinks that he's like, um, you know, the Tyler Durden's, the, he's the type of guy that's like Patrick Bateman, I get that character. He's Tyler the Joker. Bateman. He's the Joker. Yeah, he's, he's the screenwriting Joker. Yeah, he's just one of those type of film bros. He's a film bro. Yeah, except film bros don't even like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a film bro that got power. Yeah. And, and lost. And lost. Good on. Good. The, the fallen angel, one could say. God, I fucking just means the worst. God. Yeah, well, thankfully we won't have to hear from him again. Yeah. Fingers crossed. He can't make a comeback. Hopefully Ray Fisher comes out again and just d- destroys him the second time. Well, hopefully he starts doing that Kevin Spacey thing where he does, like, you know, really creepy, kind of th- vaguely threatening videos every <laughs> year. <laughs> Did you hear what his, uh, what Kevin Spacey's next role is going to be? Is he, is he back? He's doing he's doing some film with some director, like, mad indie film, whatever it is, something like that. Um, But his role is... I can't remember specifically what it is, but it's basically a detective trying to catch like a child uh, predator. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's so on the nose. <laughs> it's so obvious what you're doing. <laughs> you know? I didn't. That's not me. I'm the other guy. Yeah, I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy. I'm the guy who's going to stop the child predator. It's like, <laughs> are you fucking serious? <laughs> Uh, there's no like, that must be like an independent, like he must be funding that himself or something. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a producer on it and... The director is also like a, a pedophile. A <laughs> <as well. laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. It's just all like it's all the cancelled people just yeah. in one film. Imagine that. Yeah. It's Imagine just everyone. That. Oh fucking hell! It's Ansel like Elgort's Donald Trump is like funding it. Yeah, Ansel Elgort's like the it's gonna be like the child. <laughs> <in it. laughs> oh, oh god! You see, he, he missed his uh. He's supposed to put one out every year on like a certain day, and he, he missed it this year. I think who Spacey. I don't. He, he did one every year for. I don't age. think I've ever seen these videos. No, <clears throat> I don't think so. It's where he, he plays Frank Underwood, and he's like, "Oh, don't write me off." Oh you no! Know? You remember that? <laughs> no. no, I'll show you. That's them. <laughs> so creepy. He does like that southern draw. He's, yeah. he's just pretending to be. The Frank actor. Underwood is is like he's the villain. Yeah, he's it's the like, villain. Man, he's the villain yeah. in the show. Like, like, yeah. I guess I was like, when's he ever played the good guy? The one time he played the quote unquote good guy is American Beauty. But in time, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so he didn't have like a great kind of like, yeah, well, to fucking yeah. like, <laughs> pull from. I'll do the one from seven. Oh, shit. I can't do the one from seven. <laughs> I'll do a uh, uh, user suspect. Oh, shit. I'm a giant liar in that one as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's kind of ran himself into it. 
keyhole. Oh, that's so funny. But yeah, a lot of weird guys out there. In, uh, too, many. Yeah, too many. Too many. Too many. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say it. Too many. Too many. Hot take, I know. Put a stop to all this, uh, says I. To all this nonsense. Mm, exactly. We'll be going to some listener questions. We'll answer some listener questions, yeah. Going to something lighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to ask us a question, you can hit us up at power underscore pod at, on Twitter or on Instagram. Make sure to follow us there. Or you can ask us via or via email thepowerpod at gmail.com we got a series of questions coming in from Johnny Frakes new listener to the podcast and he's asking us have you ever walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you parked your car uh, well unfortunately Johnny uh, I don't think either of us drives so we've never experienced experienced that before yeah I've never done that no yeah, has your mom ever done that no no is yours no <laughs> My dad probably has. My dad one hundred percent has. I feel like it has happened, but like just kind of, it's not as traumatic. Yeah, enough to for me me to remember. Yeah, you. have you ever gotten lost in super, in the in the supermarket? Yeah, loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I used, to, I used to have really bad sense of direction. I got lost in Omni before. When I was in like, Omni. Yeah, yeah, in Omni. I lost my mom. I was like, ah, I went <laughs> to the secure. I think I was like standing around looking around, and some woman came up to me. And was like, "You all right?" And I was like, "I lost my mom," and she's like, "Okay, Aww. come with me." <laughs> <laughs> come with me. Come with me, and I was never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> the woman that I call ma'am now is not. Nice yeah, <laughs> you're abducted. Uh. How superstitious are you? How superstitious are you? No, a little bit. Yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit superstitious. Little bit. Like when I watch uh, Liverpool, maybe <laughs> I wouldn't. You know, I would. I'd be very superstitious in the way that I feel like when I watch too closely, they'll lose. You know, they will concede a goal. Mm. And usually that actually does happen. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Obviously, it, there is no correlation. I don't believe that there is a correlation. But at the same time, I feel I feel like there is. You know? I feel like a lot of sports fans do stuff like that. They have yeah. a ritual before they yeah, yeah. Well, watch like, a game or whatever. It goes back to like 2007 semi-final of Champions League. I remember I was watching. I was nine years old. And uh, I could not watch the penalty shootout. Because I was convinced in my head for some reason that they were going to lose if I watched it. And they won because I left the room. Yeah, they um, Ever mm. since then, I... Any big occasion, any big event, either like I watch it like fucking through my fingers, <laughs> or like like I, I like turn the other way, or like I'm in a different room, or I read the text commentary online. I won't actually like pay full attention. That and watch, is so watch the funny, screen, you know. That's so fucking That's, funny. But it's weird because like I wouldn't believe in that stuff, but there's something mm-hmm. there's something about it. It does work. Yeah, it does work. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Do I have any superstitions to do? I don't really think so. Nah, I don't think you're, I'm not superstitious like that. Like, would ghosts and stuff like that count as superstitious? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, I think so. You believe in ghosts? Not ghosts, but like there's something. Ah, there is, yeah. You know, there's forces that be. Forces beyond what we can comprehend. You know, there's fourth dimensional beings. So I Yeah, can, definitely, yeah. So, you know, they're probably influencing something. Yeah. In our dimension. They have to be. Definitely, yeah. Like angels. That's how it works, bro. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, if I put my finger into a glass of water, I'm going to move the glass of water. Yeah, yeah. So surely if a fourth dimensional being puts their weird time fingers on me, something's going to happen. Or like the butterfly effect, everything about that. Yeah. Do you think the butterfly effect is like yeah, small ripple and stuff like that? Yeah. I saw a great tweet through today. It was like, uh, um, like my li- my life has been going terrible. Like I, I need a change. Uh, one of you out there, please do something different. And like, let- I'll let this butterfly effect take me away. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's what I want people to do. You know, you change and then I'll just stay the same. Yeah. But yeah. It'll be better. <laughs> yeah. It'll work out. Don't you worry. D- you did the change for me. Do you 
do you think like manifestation and stuff like that works no that's if that worked i would be fucking i'd be laughing <laughs> that's never worked for me <laughs> oh do you think it works but what was that thing that you you told me about before you read a book about magic was that a manifestation thing no it's about more like advertising stuff oh right right right, right. Uh, like yeah i suppose it works in that way but that's like maybe it does if you really believe something you're going to have you know all your faculties like if, if you don't believe you can't do something then you're mm. going to fail because you know it's in your head it's like subconscious. yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. if you're talking you have to sub- talk to your subconscious on some, le- some level i think but like to what extent can that be done consciously i think mm-hmm. i don't know yeah no. i don't think it can <clears throat> be done i think you have to really believe it but so maybe then it does work because i don't believe in manifestation so mm-hmm. maybe if i did believe in it it would work yeah i don't believe it's in like santa claus or something, but like yeah. i imagine like you know sending out good vibes into the universe yeah you know, or maybe like it's the, just your outlook on things gets better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like those uh, people, like like uh, you know, like hustle Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, people who like honestly believe that the shit that they they, they see on Instagram about like you know, wake up at nine a.m. like have sex with CEOs and uh, like nine thirty, <laughs> like <laughs> stay awake till two a.m. like working on your next project. Yeah. and stuff. people actually believe that works. It will work better for them than it would for a normal person because mm-hmm. they actually, for some reason, they actually believe in it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you just brainwashed to think that's going to work. I think just brainwashing, yeah. <laughs> marketing, basically. Yeah, the power of marketing, the power of suggestion. Mm, magic. Yeah, what was it? Fakery. What was Johnny's next question? Do you have a sweet tooth? I do have a sweet tooth, yeah. I don't. I lost mine. You lost yours? I lost. I, I used didn't. to have one. I don't like sweet stuff now. Do you like chocolate, though, no? I do, but I wouldn't eat it. Mm. I wouldn't usually eat it unless... I love a bit of chocolate. Unless there's nothing. You know, unless there's nothing else, I wouldn't usually eat chocolate. I just don't like it. Uh, I like a bit of chocolate. Mm. I, li- I like it at Easter and stuff. Special I occasions, but I wouldn't. I get fizzy drinks. I would never drink a fizzy drink, usually. Mm. No, I'll very, ha- very rare. I'll have unless like... Unless it's like beer or something. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Because you can't really drink anything else. I think like, I I will have, like, I'll give myself a treat. Where, like, I'm going to have like one, like, you know, kind of Coke Zero or whatever. 7-Up specifically. I really like having like, just like, a can of 7-Up, but like, just one. Yeah, I was just saying I don't I don't drink fizzy drinks. I have a can of monster <laughs> right beside me. That's different though. I just, that's, I just that's took different. a sip like a minute ago. That's different. <laughs> yeah. Are you dessert man though? Now, like if you're going out for a meal, do you get a dessert? Rarely. Very yeah, rarely. I don't like it. I don't like it in dessert. I'm, I rarely have the room for a dessert. Mm-hmm. Also, there's like there's all different kinds. Some of them are really bad. Yeah. Some of them are really bad. What's your favorite dessert? Crepes. 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 Chocolate crepes. I love crepes. Savory though, mm. yeah. So do you prefer savory? Savory stuff. Tato, pack of tato, a crepe. There you go. You're laughing. I'm laughing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I'm not a big savory guy. Although having said that, I will devour a bag of skips. Skips. I fucking love skips. Skips are really nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. they are for me the elite. You just put them in your mouth. They just melt. They go pop and fizzle in your mouth. <laughs> mm, nothing better. Yeah. What do you have to say next? Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? The tallest man I've ever seen. I have a I have a distant cousin that's really fucking tall. How tall is he? He's like six foot seven or eight. Jeez. Yeah, like he's really tall. Six foot seven. Or Shout eight. out to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like that's the top like one percent, isn't it? Yeah, that's like that is extremely tall. I don't, maybe he's at six or seven. He's like, maybe he's, six, he's like he's above six five though. Yeah, that is tall. Like that's really fucking tall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know any. I can't remember any tall people really. Mm. Um, but I did. I, I was in town last week. I saw this dog. Actually, I'll show you. Yeah, I, yeah. You, you showed me this. Yeah. Did the, I show you the, that the big Man, massive dog? I saw this Irish wolfhound, and he was fucking huge. Mm-hmm. If he stood up, like on his hind legs, he would have been 
over seven feet tall. I, I feel like, <laughs> like he was absolutely massive. I was going, to, I was going to JD, and he was on the other side. He was at like outside cafe waiting for his owner, and uh, he was with his other dog, <laughs> hanging out. Like, they weren't on <laughs> leashes or anything. Chilling. They were just chilling outside this cafe, and uh, this other dog was like a fully grown Irish Red Setter. So like, not a small dog at all. Like, mm-hmm. the size, like roughly the same size as like a labrador, like a normal Labr- Labrador, which are big dogs ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this Red Setter was underneath, like. Under the legs of the Irish Wolfhound. Wolfhound was like sitting down, you know? Oh, and he got up, he stood up, and there was a whole ring of people around him going, What, what, what the, the fuck f- is this wolf doing yeah. here? I saw him coming up the street and I was like, There's no way. I was just like, My eyes are deceiving me here, mm-hmm. you know? And now as I got closer, I was like, He's getting, he's getting bigger. I yeah, thought it was just yeah. like, There's an optical illusion. Some guy walked past your direction. He's like, Look at the fucking size <laughs> of that dog. <laughs> he was absolutely mind blown, and I was mind blown as well. I could not believe it. He was absolutely huge, but he was a gentle giant. A unit. An absolute unit. Yeah. My God, I could not believe it. Do you ever, do you ever get a thing where when you see a really tall person, you kind of get like, like your monkey brain kicks and you're like, it's scared. Yeah, gotta run. Uh, I don't know. I don't really see tall people that much. I don't really see really tall people that much, no. Mm. But like, I think, I'm trying to think, like, I'm pretty sure I've probably walked around Tesco and seen some fucking unit walking around. Mm. I love describing people as a unit. I think it's really <laughs> funny. It's such a great description. It's like that fucking unit. Absolute unit. Yeah, I don't know. They're just people, aren't they? They, they are just people. <laughs> They're people too. Like if you said, like, you remember, you, you've seen It Follows, haven't you? Mm. You know the really tall guy. That yeah, that is, that's really scary. Yeah. Man. That's really scary. Yeah, like that's like, like that's a monkey brain going like run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a tall guy fucking walked in here right now. I'd be like, what? Yeah, yeah I, that would scare me. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, I think my brain would, be like, especially if I'm sitting down, like fucking vulnerable. Yeah, that guy's big. <laughs> oh, shit, he big. Ever see that uh, that video of like a NBA? It's like an NBA uh, broadcast or whatever. It's like in the middle of a game, and uh, everyone's on the bench, like sitting down, obviously, and uh, something happens on the court, and everyone stands up, and uh, on the bench is like an like an average size, like someone like like around mm-hmm. our height. It's like a normal sized person, and he stands up, and everyone else stands up. And it looks like he just didn't stand up at all. <laughs> and if, but everyone else is like double his height all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, yeah, that fr- like it's a really funny video, but it also kind of freaks me out. I think I, I don't think I've seen someone like that tall, but I think if I did, my monkey brain would kick in. And you just start attacking them? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> go for the knees. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like, I would like, be like, my brain would be like, you're, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Run. <laughs> you're both in trouble. Yeah. Right? Well, you, you know, usually they're all not skinny, aren't they? Mm. It doesn't matter height. Doesn't matter. Still, you know, they like um, you know that thing where it's just like um, make yourself look as big as possible to scare away animals. You just T pose. Yeah, just T pose. Front of someone who's like six five. <laughs> 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 yeah, I sure. Like we found, like people in our school were pretty tall. Really tall. The basketball yeah. heads. Basketball people. Yeah. 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 yeah I suppose yeah. Six but seven. Or but like they weren't. They weren't like oh, shit, run. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you just did that in school. <laughs> oh shit! He's <laughs> doing Paddy Bear marks in the room. Oh fuck! It's yeah, so like it. <laughs> That'd be fun to special class all the yeah. small people. <laughs> <laughs> I just goes divided by height. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a higher level, lower level, but just height. <laughs> <laughs> the classrooms are different sizes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember. Do you ever see that? Um, there's like a TikTok trend where, um. Like a girl that's like really like way shorter than her boyfriend gives her boyfriend her phone, and it's recording, but it's on like the f- 
the fa- the front facing camera and he puts his he puts the phone up to his face and she can see what like what she looks like from his perspective yeah i've never seen that but yeah all right so i did that with because uh, my sister's like a decent bit shorter than me and i did that and she was freaked out she was like that's how you see me. I was like, yeah. She's like, you can see the top of my head. I'm like, yeah, I can, yeah. <laughs> and then I did it from her perspective. I was like, Jesus. Like, and then when you see someone that's shorter than you looking up at you, that's fucking weird because I rarely have to look up at someone. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a bit powerful, yeah. Yeah. But it's for, uh, uh, like, if you do that with Orla because Orla's a bit taller than you, so you should do that with Orla. I'm slightly taller <laughs> yeah. than Orla, by the way. Are you taller than Orla? <laughs> yeah. I always thought Orla was taller than you. No, she just wears, like, things. Like, ah, she's, she's cheating. She's, she's got the heels. Yeah, like, women are cheating, man. <laughs> Cheating, no. but yeah, I think we're basically the same height, so it wouldn't really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do with Carl. You do with Carl, yeah, or do with um, do my dad. Do with like, Neil. Neil's way taller than us. Yeah, yeah. Do with, or do get with Aaron. Aaron. Darren, yeah. Aaron, get Aaron. Aaron's out, like, yeah. Aaron's like we'll get Aaron out for one reason. Yeah, yeah man, you're Aaron, not tall. I want to put this phone beside you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's funny because like you never, like I can't imagine what someone smaller than me, what I look like to someone that's smaller than me. But when you do see it, you're like, that's really fucking weird. It's like, oh, you can see under my, my chin. It's gross. <laughs> yeah, the neck beard. <laughs> Don't look at that. <laughs> Don't look at me. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have any, any more questions? There's a few more. Does your computer ever seem to have a mind of its own? Well, Johnny's asking his questions from like, what, the 90s or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fucking computer he has. Some guy. Some guy, that Mac one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah my computers minds their own all the time all the all time the, my I computer died today R.I.P. R.I.P. she died she kind of had a mind of her own but it was mainly because uh, it's about four years worth of exposure to you porn. know porn yeah yeah uh, extreme <laughs> porn it was sort of like I clicked on everything that was on the page you know so I clicked on all the pop-ups I clicked on <laughs> exit out of them trying to go deeper uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing like isn't that a bit weird? Like, what if you got to the bottom of the pop-ups? What's at the end? The dark web, that's it to get through. Yeah, maybe. It's the only way to get through. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, they fuck up your computer. Mm-hmm. You know, because the algorithm, it gets you. Yeah, it does. The viruses. Let's just talk about the algorithm, because I'm not, I'm I'm not making any sense here. <laughs> <laughs> the viruses? The what algorithm? am I talking about? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sounding like fucking Johnny Frakes here. <laughs> The computer, the virus is on my computer. <laughs> what the fuck? I know it's going to be the Instagram clip now. <laughs> um. Um, yeah, uh, TikTok algorithms, Instagram al- algorithms. I feel like Instagram has a mind of its own a lot of the time. Mm. I think Facebook's algorithm is really weak. I think it's not adapted to our brains. It's adapted to all the brains. <laughs> <laughs> it's adapted to that boomer brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I think TikTok is sort of on the cutting edge, but I don't use it that much. I mean, you know, I found out that my dad's a boomer, technically, because he's born in 1964, and 64 is the cutoff year. 64, is it? Yeah, 64 is the cutoff year for the boomer generation. Mm, that doesn't really work for us, though, does it? There's no boom. That's certainly no boom now. No one can afford to have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we were the boom. We are technically, because the baby boom. Was there a baby, a baby boom here? No, but I think it's just a generation thing. Yeah, it's like oh, you're just part of that generation, even though it really affected America, America, and whatever. Uh. But um, <clears throat> yeah, um, it's obviously not very well adapted to the boomer brain because my dad can't figure out Facebook at all. Yeah, my dad's the same. <laughs> he has like he had this thing where he clicked on a link, and now his, his Facebook app is permanently in Mandarin. 
So just every time he tries to input something, it's just in Mandarin. It comes out in Chinese. You know? My dad, my dad. Just get a new thing. phone. My dad does this thing like when we moving into my gaff. He um, he tried to send a photo because we were getting an extension done. He tried to send a photo of like the work on the extension to my mom and go like ooh la la, but he sent it to a porn page called ooh la la. <laughs> Just a photo of this gaff. <laughs> What? It's a great, great location. It's like, how the <laughs> fuck did you manage to do that? Like, yeah. he put in the search bar, ooh la la, instead of like oh, clicking yeah. onto my mom's profile and then going into messages and sending her a message. Yeah. He he only realized in the past two years that the Facebook Messenger app wasn't his like texting app. Oh, right. Yeah. So he was like texting people, Randy. work shit. Yeah. Thinking that he was sending it as a text message, like you're sending like really important work stuff in a Facebook <laughs> message <laughs> over Messenger. <laughs> oh God, God bless him. God. Just pictures of dead bodies, like yeah, it's just <laughs> the usual. <laughs> uh, oh no, so funny. Yeah, the algorithm though does have a mind of its own. Computers it do. Computers do. They're gonna win. I feel like if I open up my old laptop now, I was only thinking about this the other day. That thing would explode if I turned it on. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's the reverse. My laptop in 2013 works better now, but I got it fixed in like 2019 or something, and then I got a new one. A new one's fucked, but the uh, the old one actually works fairly well now. It just really? doesn't. Yeah, like I can't use headphones or anything, but like that's bad now. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying, but like it still works. It still goes on the internet. Mm-hmm. Stuff. It just works in like a, a school computer kind of way. Yeah, where yeah. You just yeah. surf the web, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it still works though. Yeah, yeah, it works well enough. <laughs> yeah, I just need to get a new one though. But. Well, we leave it at that. We'll leave it there for this week. Leave it there. Any recommended films for episode 75? Fuck! For it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this, uh, I've been thinking about this for a very long time. <laughs> um, my recommended film for episode 75. Jesus. Jesus, man. <laughs> episode mm. 75 is going to be Abbas Kiristami's Close Up. Oh, Close Up. A sim- yeah. A similar kind of... No, 1990. A similar uh, kind of thing to... Uh, if we're fake about authenticity and some real meta and stuff like that, so it's going to be interesting. Mm, it's, bit of a, yeah. it's a it's a documentary re- where they recreated a guy that stole these people's identity, but they got the actual people that it happened to to play themselves. It's bad out, isn't it? Yeah, it's bad out. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. Yeah, a bit of continuity. Between FFA, close up. No, it's similar themes. Fraud. There you go. Fraud. We're all frauds here on Parapod. <laughs> <laughs> Power fraud. Power fraud. Oh, that's going to be the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. God bless, right? Talk to you all. Bye. See you, lads.